Okay. You're a good friend of, of Travis's, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Has he been depressed at all, thinking about yeah. committing suicide, anything like that? I, I don't think he's been thinking he committed suicide. He's been really depressed because he uh, broke up with this girl, and he was all upset about that. But I, I don't think he would actually kill himself over that. Has he been threatened by anyone recently? Yes, he has. Okay. He has a, he has an ex-girlfriend that's been bothering him and, and um, following him and slashing tires and things like that. And do you know the ex-girlfriend's name? Um, um, do you remember? Yeah. What's, what's his ex-girlfriend's name? Um, her, his, her name is Jody. Jody? What's up, Patreon people? So many of you now. Welcome to the party. Welcome well, like half a thousand, right? That's a good term. It half sounds a like a lot, right? Yes. It sounds sounds bigger. That's like almost an age. How many years is an age? Though. That's 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 amazing. If you guys were all here, it'd be one hell of a party. <laughs> well, <laughs> hope no one's claustrophobic. <laughs> I don't think we could fit 500 people in here. We'd be packed in like sardines. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'd be stinky. Yep. We yeah, need a lot of Oh My Gaia. A lot. Oh, yeah. No, we wouldn't because probably most of our Patreon members are already wearing Oh My Gaia. So. That's true. You know what? It would probably smell fantastic. Yeah. It would probably be kind of a mix of flavors, <laughs> though. I don't think everybody's melt, melting pot of scented delicious. A lot of true crime pine in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my Egyptian must today. So. Right. Hey, we're not supposed to be doing sponsors this week. Oh, right. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> we love them, though. Yeah. So, welcome back to uh, Patreon exclusive episodes. This is what, number 14? 14. Yes. And it's yep. one that is highly suggested, one that, as we uh, talked about last week, someone they've all been wanting us to shit on for a long time. Yeah, this I've been interested in this case for a while. I wanted to do it a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't, but I mean, it all worked out. Right. Because we're doing it this, now. Yeah, it's fine. As long as we get to it, you know, we can't do them all, Lauren. Yes. There were some things that, uh, you know, I thought I knew about this case, and then in studying it, I learned a lot more, and there were some things that were pretty surprising to me, like the brutality of it. I, I think that's kind of uh, a forgotten thing about this case. It's not talked about as much. It's talking about how crazy she is, what a good liar she is, and all this stuff. But yeah, because of the. God, what a, this is probably the most brutal murder I can. One of the most brutal right. murders we've ever covered. Like, just straight, like, for the victim, you're just like, this was not a good time. Right. And all her theatrics in court kind of put a, they kind of put a shadow on that. Yes. Yeah, but, exactly. And because of the mix-up of stories, too. So in your mind, you get, like, all these different stories because of the, you know, how she changed hers all the time. Right. So you kind of, the, the, the what really happened kind of gets skewed. Yeah. God, yeah, yeah but I mean, like we've had. But look at the crime scene photos, and it immediately comes back. We've had killers that were, you know, tortured their victims and yeah. stuff like that, and that, that's that's its own thing, and it's terrible. But like, just a straight murder itself, it's just out of absolutely the blue, vicious, just dude. Somebody that you loved, somebody right. that you knew. Yeah, this is. She's right up there with the what was the Ronald Gene Simmons and those kind of people, those kind of people that kill their loved ones. Yes, I mean, pretty much, in a much more brutal and personal way, though. I mean, Ronald just shot him but this is yeah a brutal brutal attack with a knife and strangled him while he looked in their eyes but you know whatever i think someone complained recently about us giving away too much at the beginning of episodes we haven't played, we haven't even played the intro yet <laughs> yeah you're right let's should, go into the intro okay. and uh start this patreon exclusive episode on jody arias excuse me testing testing hello check 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 if I can have everyone's attention, thank you. I know you can die. And welcome to the True Crime Guys 15th 
month. Patreon exclusive. Thanks everybody. You guys are awesome. You're like the you're like the best people that listen. And I wrote a song about this one, so here it goes. Thank you all. Jody, Jody, bitch, you're the scariest. Jody, Jody, your alibi's hilarious. We don't believe you for one minute. Wave line, play the victim now, now. Let me guess you plan to crown the stand, wear some glasses, and dye your hair back brown. Ha, <laughs> real clever. I knew a girl who was who was uh, mature beyond her years. That was an excellent worker, a good friend, a good caregiver, a good caretaker. I trusted Jody with uh, my most prized possession. Jody, Jody, bitch, you're the scariest. Jody, Jody, your alibi's hilarious. We don't believe you for one minute. The way you lie and try to play the victim, no, no. Let me guess you plan to crown the stand, wear some glasses, and dye your hair back brown. Thank you, thank you guys. You guys are great. Like, thanks for, thanks for taking the time to listen to this and stuff. And uh, no, no, you don't have to clap. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and turn it over to the True Crown yes, guys. Please do. Jesus. All right. You just heard Michael's fantastic intro that I haven't heard yet. Me either. Uh, so our case this week is Jody Arias yep. and the murder of Travis Alexander. And where do we start? I mean, we, we're gonna go through <laughs> oh her childhood God. and all that stuff. Yeah. We alluded to how brutal the murder was and all that, and it's just a super fascinating case. It got a ton of media coverage. She became kind of a celebrity uh, yeah. after the fact, and it almost seems to Infamous me the more celebrity. I study it as though that was like a motive all along, it seems, for did, me. What, just to be famous? Kind of, yeah, yeah, because some of the things she did, you're just like, you wouldn't do that unless you kind of wanted to be caught, the camera, all that stuff. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. It just don't make no sense. There was, yeah, there were some questionable things, but she's like s- super smart in some ways, and then other things she's. You're like you got to be doing this t- on purpose because it's, it's too she, dumb of a move to do unintentionally. I just wonder how many of her little schemes and shit would have played out if she wasn't attractive, though. Right. Well, she knew that she mm-hmm. she's very well That's what I'm well saying, aware of like, the fact you that she like, had power over men in in some forms. Yeah. And I think that's really more so than than her just raw intelligence. I think it's more that she um, knew how to play people. She knew how to manipulate people. One of the best liars that we've come across in this oh, definitely. in this show, if not the best. Mm, when you yeah. watch her, and she, uh, when I read about Except her... Except there was and, like Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's, <laughs> he, was, he was a good liar too. That's true. Um, 
when I read about her and I, and I heard about this case and all this stuff, I had one image. And then when I saw the uh, interrogation videos yeah. and heard her talk on the stand and all that stuff, I was like, not what I expected. Which, which one were you, were you watching her talk to the prosecution or the defense or both? Both. And did you notice the big, huge difference? Yes, of course. It's unreal. But mainly I watched hours of the interrogation videos, okay. which are very fascinating. And you get a feel for her manipulate, uh, right. manipulation and, and how fake she could be. But it was believably fake. Like you, you're like, she seems like such a normal girl when you first start questioning her. And right. I'm like, if I didn't know what I know, if I just said, if you just told me this girl killed her boyfriend, maybe, mm-hmm. and you, you know, this is the interrogation video, I'd be like, she's innocent. Like she's just, she just seems like a concerned girlfriend yeah. when you, when you hear her talk. Right. And like, she's crying on fucking command. Did you and watch this the- shit? And you're like, she couldn't have brutally, she's like, what she did. And then what I'm seeing here, right. <laughs> you're just like, this person. doesn't add up. How she got I- you too, Lauren. She did. <laughs> you would have been another in the sucker in her life. But then the more you watch, the more you see the, the yeah. multiple sides of her, you're like, oh yeah, she fucking psycho. Yeah. Yeah. But like when you only see the one side, when you just the first image you see is her talking and like t- talking about how oh, so I would you, never do this. And you're I talking her. about the videos when the detective was first talking to yes. her. Yes. Did you see the one where she's where the detective leaves the room? Yeah. And, and she does a fucking headstand and she's yeah, talking she's about head- makeup and all yeah. this stuff. That's so. That's so. That crazy. was another big tip. Like once I saw how she acted after they left, she's like stealing paper out the fucking counter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh my god, that reminds me of that episode of Rick and Morty with the guy with the vest with all the pockets. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on, guys? We're just gonna come in this office. We're just gonna steal a few things here. We take this stapler." And then like, and then like the main like uh, VIP, the CEO, he yeah. goes in his office and he starts taking stuff off his desk and he's talking to the camera, ignoring that guy, right? Yeah, and the guy's like, "Hey." What the hell's going on here? And he like puts a chloroform uh, cloth over his face with like one of his hands. He's got like a bunch of hands. It's so crazy, dude. That's that, Jody Arias. Yeah, you. yeah. It's like she just got a smile on her face while she's just taking shit right. from people and doing people wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start at the beginning. Let's go through Jody Arias, her childhood. She yeah. was she was born July 9th, nineteen eighty, in Salinas, California. Her parents were William and Sandra Arias. She shares a birthday with some very interesting people. Very Does she? curious. The day of July 9th is very curious. It is. Some uh, murderers in there. We got uh, OJ Simpson. There it. Yeah. None of, us, none of y'all are going to argue he's innocent, right? Michael, right. are you over that yet? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that case, but come on now. Listen, <laughs> don't all even that stuff go there. He said was hypothetical, Lauren. Don't even go there, bro. That was <laughs> After that came out, there was no denying. No, anymore. there's not. <laughs> Tom Hanks, not a murderer, maybe in some movies. In Saving Private Ryan, probably. Well, I mean, took a few lives, war, war crimes. What happens? No, in I'm war. just kidding. <laughs> All's fair in war. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks, great actor. Come on now. Absolutely. Courtney Love, murderer. In mm-hmm. some people's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that one's up in the air. We could cover that case. If you if you work so hard to drive someone to suicide, then maybe that could be. Or if you uh, paid someone to do it. And mm-hmm. said it was suicide. That too. If he did that, that's also considered murder. The amount of heroin in his system would not have allowed him to shoot himself. That's all I'm saying. They like medically proved it. Then again, they do did a lot of heroin. He did else. a lot of heroin. His tolerance is probably super he high. He might have been a, like a test study for the amount of heroin can be in, yep. in someone's bloodstream. They he came in there and they said, this was too much. There's just a lot of questionable <laughs> things about it, but we'll have no. to maybe do that case another time. Um, okay. Amanda Knox also shares a birthday with Jody Arias. Who's Amanda Knox? That's another true crime case that we'll have to do someday. Oh, okay. Very interesting one. There's some uh, good documentaries on it. Okay. Also another killer? Someday you'll get there, Michael, with true crime knowledge. I will. <laughs> I, guys, you know I can't I can't. Like, I saw you talking on the, uh, the live stream you did uh, about the staircase. I am yeah. deep into that right now. I'm not done yet. So yeah. you know, maybe we'll cover that one again someday, too. That would be cool. 
Are you interested in it? Is it really? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Well, I'll check it out. It's one of those ones that has you going back and forth. You're like, he did it, he did yeah, it. Yeah, he, he did, did it, he didn't, didn't do it. Right. Not like this A lot case. of coincidences. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, you could live 100 lifetimes and never have two people that close to you fucking die at the bottom of stairs, you know? Or you could. Or, yeah. Or you could just be really unlucky. <laughs> or you, could, you could just be really or unlucky. you could just start buying one-story houses, you dumbass. That's, yeah, I think after the first one, you yeah, might. Yeah, like, <laughs> how would be? <laughs> Although the first one, I don't even think it was his house. It, was, it, it wasn't It was even a person that was, okay. you know, it, it was kind of like, hey, you knew the person, but come on. Right, right, okay. Uh, and Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Yes. Fred Savage, uh, Wonder, Wonder Years. Years? Wonder Years. I fucking love that show, dude. Right? One of the greatest. Fred Savage. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I used to watch that show all the time. stand up and walk out. <laughs> Great show about growing up it in is. what, like the 1960s, was it? Yeah. Just all the petty problems you have as a white kid in the it's, suburbs. <laughs> it's a blast from the past when you watch that. and you Because like they, it was a very topical show. Like yeah. they, I mean, granted, I think it was recorded way after the 60s, but they did a good job of making it feel like you were in the 60s. Like they did the right. moon landing episode where like the mom was crying watching yeah. the moon landing. <laughs> They had they showed a lot of like the the picketing and riots and all that stuff going on, right? The civil rights stuff going on. Pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, it was a cool great show, fucking huh? show. Uh, yeah. So Jody was the first of four siblings. She did have one older half sister uh, named Sandy. Um, Jody's mom described Jody's childhood as normal and happy, um, and Jody later described her childhood as ideal. However, uh, sometimes, uh, how, up until a certain point, when she yeah. turned fourteen, she got into her rebellious stage. You looking forward to that, Michael? It's coming up pretty quick. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, what, two years? When those hormones really start kicking in two and they become away. a different person? Yeah, you lose them forever. Yeah, one thing, uh, maybe, hopefully not. They're just never the jo- same. They lost Jody forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. When she was 14, her parents caught her growing marijuana plants. She had uh, gr- grown them in Tupperware containers on the roof of the house. And This was uh, the breaking point right here. They should have just left her alone with this. It was a matter of time before... They laid down the law on something, and then she just something about her nature. She just turns on people immediately. Like yeah. she's either your best friend or your worst enemy. And like worst when you say when you mean worst enemy, like she's crazy. You do not want her. No, she's crazy. Travis Alexander, if he was alive, could attest to this. <laughs> I do think not all of her, her boyfriends probably could. Honestly, they all must feel very fortunate to be alive. They have <laughs> all the to. ones that are alive. That's all I was thinking. I was just like, every time they mentioned one of her passports, I was like, that lucky bastard. <laughs> he got. <laughs> He's got to be like. Please, like going to every fucking hearing for appeal or anything like that. Like, <laughs> keep her locked up, please. Keep her locked up. He's got a pistol in his pocket. Like, I'm gonna end it if she gets out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so after the incident where they found the marijuana on the on in the Tupperware on the roof, they kind of cracked down on her and started being invasive, started going through her things, and, right. and really laid down the law. And she took this as like betrayal. But it's um, funny that that she took on a lot of these same qualities later on in life. Oh, absolutely. You know, she's like this is one of the things she she most hated about her parents, and then she turned into the exact same person, ironically. Yeah, well, and she as did, far as that goes, she, well. Shortly after this, in her teen years, she uh, they, didn't they send her down to Costa Rica, right? Yeah. And she had like a little stint where she lived in Costa Rica. She fell in love with the boy there. Yeah. He became just, obsessed with it, him. She she was the person that fell in love with the boy next door. Like, it, it's proximity. Yeah. It's not about it's not about who they are or any kind of interaction or compatibility. It's just, this person is close to me, and I'm moderately attracted I to them. I also don't think she was, she was the type that would like approach. I think it was whatever boy showed interest in her. 
she would then yeah. become obsessed with it seemed like right. that's what happened and because she was a pretty on. girl most boys showed interest in her right so yeah i think she she took it almost every opportunity she could i feel yeah like. and when while in costa rica she fell in love with a, a, a nearby boy and yeah. they had this thing and then when she came back she wanted to go she wanted to live and like move permanently to costa yeah. rica and what's it, funny is that family she stayed with in costa rica their last name was also arias no way yeah the guy's name was victor was arias. it a family thing is that why they sent her down there yeah, that she was like staying with the family like a like a foreign exchange, student but it wasn't would, related whatever. to her Arius no, line. No, that is weird. Yeah, were their birthdays also July 9th? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Some weird trends here, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, so like that was a weird obsessive thing. But then when she comes back, she gets another uh, nearby boyfriend back in California, right? Yeah, and then ends up leaving him because he was too clingy and obsessive, right? Kind yeah. of ironic. You know? That is, that is. Another thing, like when you I, talk about her with her parents and how it's kind of ironic that she's pissed at them because they're inva- like invading her privacy and stuff. And then yeah. you see what she does later on. Same thing with this boyfriend who's kind of obsessive with her. It's like, who are you to talk yeah. to? Yeah. There's a guy named Bobby, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He was super obsessive with her, but she also uh, started stalking him. But she kind of had uh, not a good reason, but I see why she did it because she actually caught him having sending emails and stuff back and forth with other women and st- like. Mm. He was basically having secret relationships. He was having affairs. Or did she <clears throat> intensify something that was maybe just a normal conversation with someone? Because possibly it seems like that's something that happened later on. Too. Yeah, she could. I mean, yeah. What do you mean by have a good day? Like it, the what do you way, want, fucker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like that's the jumps she would make. You know. Yeah, yeah. My book made it seem like uh, it was more of like a like a hotline thing, but like a chat room type right. deal. That he was talking to these girls. Oh, on. okay, yeah. And well, then some of them, he kind of there was a smiley emailing. face involved. But it was and also next thing you know, it seemed like it was all like you know internet based relationships. Like, it's yeah, like who didn't have a bunch been of chatting with babes all day? Dude, remember those days? The hotmail and the, the was that hotmail or what was aim, the, I, dude, aim? Yes, aim. get home from school. Shit. You come in back in middle school. You get yep. in our time, anyways. Nowadays, everybody's already fucking Snapchatting all day. Yeah, yeah. but like you know, if you're if you're around yeah. our age, thirty, you know, early you know, 30s, yeah, whatever. you know, aim. You had that aim account, dude. You get home some from teen that. angsty name middle school. Yeah, and you had some stupid login name, <laughs> and you'd sit there and fucking wait for your friends to get on. Yeah, yeah. So all day. those online. You'd have like six conversations going on at one time, all yeah. these different boxes and shit. Feel like such a stud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times, man. You don't remember what your aim name was? Aim name? Uh, what was your guys' aim names? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm know. sure it was something so something stupid, stupid right? and emo or some shit. <laughs> emo? Yeah, you, probably. You hair over your face? <laughs> probably, yeah. Middle school? <laughs> yeah. We're in skateboarding. I'm in a band, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, she's dating these boys, um, and she's lying to her parents constantly. After the whole weed incident, incident yeah, she, yeah. she turned on her parents completely and was never – they never saw, like, the sweet, um, innocent side of Jody again, and they never really knew who she was again. Like, they, right. even later on when the police asked her whether they thought she could have been well, she, she a part of this, they weren't even sure. Like, they, that's how much they didn't really know their daughter, like, how up and down she was. They would right. call her one day, and she'd be, hey, and then, like, 20 minutes later, they, she'd – She'd call one of her family members freaking out, crying. Right. Suicidal almost. And she claimed that it, it was an abusive childhood, but it, I don't know if she it was that or things. just discipline. Like, I'd whoop her ass too if she was like sneaking out all the time and stuff, you know? Growing weed on the roof? Or would you well, just No, no, it? if she was growing weed on the roof, like that's, I'll <laughs> give, give it a try, away, Lauren. Like, give it a test. Yeah, that's fine. I got a test to see Make if sure. it's safe. <laughs> 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 Listen, you got one rule, share with dad. <laughs> Um, she would end up, she had like great, great, uh, grades in school and she was like right. the teacher's pet for a lot of time early on. But then yeah. after this incident, 
she, she not only turned on her parents, but it seemed like she just turned on authority overall because she ended up dropping out of school in, in the 11th grade and, and uh, later earned her GED, GED, which is stunning to think she was on track to be like, you know, an honors, probably one of the valedictorian type yeah. uh, kids of her class had she continued on the path she was going on, but she just turned on authority. She just had an obsessive personality. And so I think once her focus turned away from school, it was done. Yeah. Because she could only obsess over one thing at a time. She, she had this one thing, that she, and it just took all of her attention. And I think before it was boys, boys it was school. Yeah. And and because it, it made her parents proud. It got their you know attention and their affection. So It's worst case scenario. If you have a, a, t- a young girl that's going into teen years, you're like, just don't go on this path. That's what Jody, the direction she took. Yeah, just don't kill anybody. Fuck my <laughs> parents. Point. I want to. I want to date a new boy. You know, yeah. and become obsessed with him. And yeah, and the Bobby one was one. Uh, the Bobby one had no motivation and everything. Right? Wasn't that? Was he the one that was like in a in a band or something? And he was like a fucking emo. He and, was like into the occult and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. very strange. Right? Strange yeah. character. He wasn't really going anywhere in life. It seemed right. And uh, but she be- and he was lazy, and she became obsessed with him, and kind of took that path for a while. Like, then, yeah, she's the, he's the one that she caught on the chat lines or whatever. Yeah. And then she left him and then ended up taking him as back soon as she would, years later. Well, she took him as, back. As soon as she would, uh, a relationship would be ended, that's when the true obsession on her end would come in. Mm-hmm. As soon as, like, the, she would break up with a boy, that's when she would start stalking him. Very yep. backwards, like. And she, you could tell that she always felt extremely uncomfortable being away from them. Right. She was always... It, it, it's almost like their relationship flourished in long distance yes. because she was she wanted to be overly kind, overly affectionate, so they wouldn't forget about her. Yes, you know, it's so it's so she's so manipulative, so crazy. You can you we cannot be together, but you were going to think about me every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You laughs> thought I'm going to kill you. <laughs> just sending them random pictures, just constantly. <laughs> right. Random selfies. Um, so yeah, when when she. Uh, when she dropped out of school in the 11th grade, she moved away from home um, and moved in with a boyfriend. I think that was Bobby, right, when yeah. she was 17, and continued living in different cities in California for a few years, kind of bouncing around. She would live, stay with friends and, like, friends of friends and that type of thing. Right. And the reason her mother uh, kind of was cool with her leaving was because she had more children to take care of at home, and she just – Jody was too much to handle. Yeah. And uh, Jody so, was the oldest, too. Yeah, she was the oldest. You know I mean? So she, she's she just setting a bad was, example for the kids too. I'm she sure she used to be a big help to the parents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or in her earlier years before she hit the rebellious stage, she was the, the older sister that kind of took care of the kids when the parents weren't there and all that yeah. stuff. And then she always would later like interrogation, she would cry like, "I have all these sisters that I'm missing their meats and stuff like that." And it's like you're so you know, <laughs> what? <give> shit. <laughs> You don't give it. You walked out on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in 2000, she finally settled in Southern California. And in 01, she landed a server job at a restaurant in Carmel, California. And this was something she would kind of always lean back on was a server job. She would jump from re- restaurant to restaurant when she needed money. Yeah. She didn't really like it, but it was something she could do. She, and she, she could get she, a job real quick yeah. and, and make some money real quick. And right. She probably did pretty well on tips, too. She was kind of flirtatious. I don't know. The book made it seem know? like she was a very half-assed waitress, though. Oh, like, really? Your fucking drink would be empty for a while. Oh. <laughs> Unless you were... I, although it was said that she waited a much... Uh, she did a much better job with men because she could flirt with them and mm, get better tips. That's what tips. I'm saying. With yeah. women, she would just let their fucking drinks be unfilled. And like, oh, wow. Who cares? At least that's the... Oh, should we talk about the sources we used, by the way? Oh, yeah. And uh, I want to thank Michelle once again for a fantastic timeline. Crime line. Um, As always. But the book I got was by the prosecutor, Juan Martinez... Uh, what was it called? Very long and and really well done book. Just very very thorough. No conjecture. Everything was factual. It was called Conviction: The uh, Untold Story of Putting Jody Arias Behind Bars and just how how he did it and how the uh, lead investigator 
Estevan Flores, right? How they just basically had her dead to rights with with all the stuff that they collected, right? Uh, not only physical evidence, but also um, just really getting like a sense, being able to portray a sense of who she was and how two sided she was, and and like catching her in a lot of lies. You know what I mean? Like right. through either text messages, emails, or like things she said at the beginning when they first caught her, and then things she would later say. They were all conflicting. It just portrayed a person who was very manipulative and and deceitful. Right. And well, the it, good thing about this case is that. There's so much information out there, and so much of it has been confirmed. Yes. I really like that about this case. Right. So, like, my, I read a different book, but it was almost exactly the same. Like, everything that I talked to Lauren about, like, it was in our books. Like, But I did a, uh, I did the book, uh, The Jody Area Story, Picture Perfect by Shanna Hogan. Um, but it's it's also, it's, it's even, like, the same type of format, uh, the way it's laid out and stuff. But I think there was four or five books available, and they all have good ratings. I think you're pretty much going to get the Jody Area Story. Right. Um, with about any book that you get now, but just because there's so much, there's out also there. a ton of stuff you can watch on YouTube. Different like oh, 48 God, yeah. hours interviews and like uh, Discovery ID has done follow up stuff with like people who have become obsessed with her and still think she's innocent. There's all these crazy conspiracy theories. People try to make up ways that Travis was killed that she wasn't involved, and it's just it's unreal, dude. Like, like come on, people, you just you just get a life. Just, <laughs> just stop being bored. Like just come on. <laughs> What the fuck? She's just, a psycho, dude. Just like, stop being a contrarian to be a contrarian. Like you know, she's you know she's she's guilty. Yeah, she's guilty. There's just too much evidence. Right. And we'll present I, I, in the many ways that she's oh, guilty. Yeah. Like this, that we're just getting into it. Um, now, in 2003, she began dating a man named Daryl Brewer. Um, he worked at the restaurant she was waiting at. He was the restaurant's food and beverage manager. Yeah. And eventually, um, you know, she started showing attention. He was the uh, super, supervisor. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 years older than her. And eventually, he came around to. You know, he was much, yeah, like yeah. you said, much older. He was he came, 42. She was 22. He had had a former marriage that had gone bad and all this stuff oh, and yeah. uh, had, a, had a life. They eventually bought a house together and agreed to split the cost of the mortgage. I think it was like 1300 a piece. It was a pretty, uh, yeah. it was like a yeah. $360,000 house, I believe. And it was like a 20, in Southern California, 26 you know, or $2,800 <laughs> mortgage. It was pretty steep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they were splitting it 50-50. And in 2006, it went on for a while. Like she, she actually held up her end for a long time as far as paying them the uh, rent, right, or the mortgage. But things started getting creepy. She started imitating, yeah. completely imitating his former oh wife, God. and it shows you a little bit into her like, psyche. Like she got fake boobs because right. his, his former wife had fake boobs. Yeah. She even started driving the same car. Yeah, when my book was like laying it out, they were like she started imitating his. Uh, his wife or whatever, ex-wife, yeah. and it was like, oh, she dyed her hair blonde, and I was like, eh, you know, everybody, people dye their hair blonde, like whatever. she didn't look natural. And then with it was that like, she got though, fake boobs, and I was like, eh, you know, I, I, I could see that, okay, whatever. She got the same car. I'm like, all right, now, so, <laughs> so, all right, bitch. It seemed like, like every, it too far. It seemed like every all of Daryl's <laughs> yeah. friends were thinking the same thing. Like, oh yeah, all right, I could accept the hair, the boobs, yeah. the car, well, the same make, model, color, everything is just a little strange. And it's probably she's also probably doing like, like, look, I'm like your wife, except for much better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She also she didn't want him to miss anything. She also during this time became very obsessed with money and like uh, uh, retirement, like having a lot, like basically being smart financially yeah. and tried to have this image of like a perfect. I think we all go through that as we're getting older, that yeah. that point in your life where you start kind of, you start thinking about that yeah. a little bit more. But I don't know, early 20s, I'm, right. I wasn't thinking about it. I'm still kind of not thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, you'll get there, Michael. Yeah, whatever. Or not. Or I won't. <laughs> Hey, whatever, man. Everybody's different. You just want to yeah. float through life, and I, I'm I'm uh, kind of jealous of you in that sense. I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking ahead, things, you know. Like I just want a chess match for me. I just want to do what I want to do as often as possible. I feel like that's happiness. That's a good theory. Yeah, 
And and it takes work to get there though. I'm not I'm not as naive right, right, to think right. that like oh, I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want all the time. That's kind of my thing. It's like I totally with you if you don't strive to be like this ultra outwardly appearing successful person. Yeah. You just want to like float through life and enjoy. I don't care what you're doing with your life as long as you're not a burden to other people. That's my yeah, number exactly. one rule. It's like I totally get it. Like dude, I just want to fucking, I'll live in this little apartment and I'll just, I'll party every day or I'll just paint yeah. and, and whatever. Fuck yeah. Yeah, just, as long as you're not asking anybody As long for as you are not depending on other people to live. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to the case. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start a new podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's got the the fake boobs now. She's completely trying to like recreate uh, a new, a better version of Daryl's <laughs> ex-wife. And around this time, this goes on for a little while. And in 2006, three years into their relationship with Daryl, she began working at prepaid legal services in addition to serving at the restaurant. Um, Dude, prepaid legal services. Can we talk about this for a second? It's definitely a fucking pyramid scheme. But if you're good at it, you can make some money. You can still make money. Which Travis was. But you got to, I don't know, man. I feel like you got to shit on people to make money in that business. You have to trick them into thinking. And then you just sit back and you collect their, like, I hate these schemes, man. I hate these schemes. My, somebody I know back home is like involved in one right now. It forces like, you to be fake, right? Yeah. Which was probably perfect for Jody. It probably, she probably could have been successful at it if she was stuck with it and not. And that's probably what she thought. She probably thought, well, I can manipulate people all the time. Like, yeah. I do that on a daily basis. So she this probably would, would have slept with people if she had to to get them to fucking sign up and yeah. become one of her underlings <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's out of bounds. No, no, no. no. Um, so yeah, after she started doing this uh, new job at, at prepaid legal, there was a little while where she was just getting going with it. Yeah. And so the money wasn't rolling in yet. And she started def- to default on her half of the mortgage, the 13 or 1400 bucks she was supposed to pay every month. And she and Daryl started to drift apart. You can, you know, if you're not getting half the mortgage, it's going to start to drive a wedge between uh, you, and, yeah. you and your boyfriend. Cause they had like separate rooms and stuff. They were almost like roommates that slept together mm-hmm. pretty much. So Daryl could take her or leave her. Yeah. And that's the vibe I got. Yeah. It seems similar to the things that happen later. Yeah. Travis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could take her when uh, he was horny and then leave her when he wasn't. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. You're um, not wrong. They started to drift apart. And in December of 2006, they finally split up. And mm. this was fine with Jody because in September, she had already uh, dug her claws into a, a new man that she mm. had met through the job. Of prepaid legal services, prepaid legal. she had here in Vegas. Yeah, so hey, it what happens like in it, Vegas could kill you. It's always <laughs> it's always what seven degrees or whatever it is. Is Vegas is always connected to like every case somehow? <laughs> it's like we did the John Wayne Gacy case and we didn't expect yeah. at all to have any Vegas. And then right. of course he made he lived it. in Vegas. He for lived a in while. Vegas for a while. <laughs> fucking funeral parlor. It's very weird. Everything comes back here, guys. All right, that's right. <clears throat> we're, we're at the hub. Yeah. So she had met Travis Alexander. In September of 2006, when she went to attend a conference in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, and it was at this conference that they met, and it was Travis who was the... He was one of the speakers, right? He was one of the speakers, but he was the he he started this relationship. Oh, like, yeah. He came he, up and spoke to her. He saw her from a distance and, and said, hmm, what do you say? I like the cut of her jib, I guess. I like, the- <laughs> I, don't know. I like the way she looks. And he's always feeling extra confident at these things too, because oh, yeah. he was starting to kind of make a name for he's himself got a fancy in the company watch that he probably rented. And he, yeah, and he always wore like really nice suits, like yeah. over the top suits. Yeah. And he, I think he would embellish quite a bit about how much he made. And he, and he even told her. And this is one of the few things that Jody said that I actually believed. Yeah, he said that when they, when they, that weekend when they spent a lot of time together at the MGM, she kind of was like. 
he was telling her, I'm going to be here. You should come and be my guest. And like, she was following him around and all this. Yeah. And one of the things he told her early on was like, you know, I make six figures, but, but you got to also, you got to look the part. Like you have to look successful yeah, right, in order right. to get these people. Yeah. To you're buy selling in. yourself. That's all you're doing. Exactly. You want to be like, you're me? like a recruiter. Do you guys want to be like me? Come, yeah. come with me. Come sign up. Exactly. That type of thing. My book mentioned that that he was like one of the things he did was he sold his old car, which was like a Civic or something, and he bought a BMW. Yeah, but little little uh, off side, yeah, little side bit here. This company now is still around, and it's called Legal Shield. Oh, have you heard of Legal Shield no, before? I haven't. They're still around. Oh God, and is that these numbers that keep calling me every day? <laughs> probably no, but no, I, but I knew shield. a guy in North Carolina that did Legal Shield, and. He, you knew a guy that worked for the same company? Yes. What the hell? And he's just like this guy. He was, was just he like born Travis. on July 9th? He, no. <laughs> but he's like he's like super like charismatic and he's always talking about it and he's always handing out business cards and he drives a BMW. Oh and he, boy. And I had I had a BMW back home, right? And he came up to me and one of the times the sales pitch was like, "Hey, he's like uh if you want to trade that in and get a new BMW, he's like you work in work if you work for Legal Shield, they have a deal with BMW where you can get for like you know, you pay it monthly out of your salary. Oh God. And that's, and that's how Travis got this BMW is it was just a pre-owned BMW. It's not like it's like some super successful thing. Like that's how he's trying to paint it. But no, this, that's been a staple of this company since they were this, what, what is it? Prepaid legal since they were prepaid legal. And now they're legal. They just changed their name to legal shield just to, it just drops people's guards every now and then to change the name. Yep. And then it feels like something new. And also people move. This guy that I'm talking about was from New York and he moved down to a little rural town in the South yeah. where people don't know about it. Why? Right. Because his over. business could be more successful. A lot like Travis mm. moving from California to a little town in Arizona, Mesa. I know Mesa is not that small of a town, but it's high Mormon population. People are not quite as on to these marketing schemes. Then. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a new market to exploit. Yeah. That probably didn't have a grip right. by anybody else yet. Right. And also there's a large religious affiliation there, which he identified with oh, that would he had give him in. connections. It was the same Mormon, way with this dude. Mormon community largely. This dude based most of his business came from churches. Yes. Because he would go and like speak about, oh, how God blessed me and how God did this. Let's go do some that. cult shit, guys. Right. <laughs> this is some culty. <laughs> so that was Not just only- interesting tidbit when I started uh, hearing about this prepaid legal. So I looked into it and yeah, it's the same company. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can, uh, so we'll go through Travis Alexander's childhood and you can see why he became the man he was. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, yeah, he had to be, he had to be, to have this persona. He's not probably the type of guy I would hang out with, but yeah. I totally understand him when you see the rough upbringing that he had, how right. he, he's like, fuck this. I'm going to become ultra successful because yeah. my family was not, and I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to make something happen. And it's like, right. you, you totally, a lot of people like that. If you look into their past, you can see why they became what they were because they came from nothing. And now they want to prove to everyone that they've come up in the world. And you don't think his head was blown up a little bit from his grandfather, always telling him that he's going to be great. His great grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go into that. Okay. So, uh, Travis Alexander, um, uh, he was 30 years old when he met Jody Arias. Um, he was a devout Mormon at the time and an elder at his church. He lived in Mesa, Arizona, and worked for prepaid legal services as a motivational speaker and salesman. He was one of seven children growing up. He grew up in a very rough neighborhood, and both of his parents were crack addicts. Very abusive mother, like verbally and physically. Um, not a good woman. No. Um, and his, da- his dad later died, I believe, in a motorcycle accident Yeah, yes, as he, he got older. Um, and really the only fond memories of his childhood were uh, when, he, when he would go visit his, great- his great-grandfather, his mother's grandfather. She... Um, 
had a soft spot for him as well, his mother, yeah. even though she was just a shitty crack addict. So she would kind of clean up her act when they would yes. go visit him too. She would go on her best behavior and act like a good mother when she would go visit her grandfather, and his grandfather was fantastic. Like he with yeah. with young Travis, he he put all this belief into him. He like one of his things was like, You're gonna be a great person. Like you're gonna grow up to be very successful. I know this about your Travis. You're very special. Yeah. Very important for someone who has no one saying this to him. For at least one person in his family to say this and, and instill this belief in him. Did Did you know your great grand great grandparents? Uh, I knew one of them, and she would have completely. She was gone by the time I knew her. Really? She didn't know who I was. It's you know, dementia was real bad. <clears throat> I knew I had a great grandmother, and she died when I was like seventh grade. So I, mm-hmm. I got to know her pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, and we visit her a lot because you know she was my dad's grandmother, and he respected her highly, just mm-hmm. like you know, just like Travis's mom. And she used to say the same kind of stuff to me. She used to tell me all the time, like she'd say, like she's like, Michael, you're gonna do, you're gonna do something great. Like you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna change people and stuff like that. Like you're gonna, you're gonna start she, a podcast she, called she, the True Crime Guys. I, well, I, can, I don't know. I can see it in your future. It's weird, right? But she used to. <laughs> so she actually told me about this dream. Like she was very like superstitious, yeah. very superstitious. And she told me that she had this vision. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. She went and spoke to a palm reader, like a fortune teller, mm. right? And they told her that a male in her in her lineage was going to be like successful. Like he, they could see like his his name in lights. It was like my last name wow. in lights, and that's what she saw. And she didn't tell her like our last name or anything like that. And her last name was actually different than mine. Oh. So yeah, that was she always insisted on that too. She used to tell me that, and she would bring it up over and over again. It's very important to have at least one person tell you when you're younger that but, you can't. I mean, it's, right. it's it's it can get to an unhealthy level where you're constantly be told you're special every fucking day. But I, I think wonder that's if, too much. But I remember a specific instance where my father did this, where I I was at a young age, I was pretty good at skateboarding, like pretty right. good. Like I was kind of me and one other kid in even in elementary school, like we would yeah. have, it sounds crazy, but we'd have crowds like gathered around us yeah. and we'd be ollieing over like stacked up skateboards and everybody like, Oh shit. You know, like, and I, I was obsessed with it. That's all I would do is skateboard <laughs> yeah. all, all day long in summer. I'd be outside 110 degrees skateboarding, doing kickflips, doing 360 flips, whatever. And, uh, I begged my dad to build me a half pipe. And I remember him and my mother getting into an argument cause she didn't want the liability. She didn't right. want me to get hurt and all this stuff. I might, I remember my dad telling her like, what if he's going to go on to be a you know a professional skateboarder and be yeah, famous exactly. and all this stuff? And I just knowing that he believed that I could, he was like, he's good. Look at him. And like yeah. so, just knowing that he believed that I could was huge. Yeah, absolutely. and motivated me a lot. You know, you don't forget those things. Like when those when people instill that kind of confidence in you, you don't forget it. Which is exactly what Travis's great grandfather did, and he always and, remembered it. And, and he I wonder kind of worked if, harder for his great grandfather's memory of him. Right. And I wonder if that's just that's why they do it. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if if that was just maybe just a dream or maybe she just fabricated it or maybe she just picked me yeah. because she just wanted to instill. And I think when you get to that area, that level of life, you realize like, man, if I would have just had a different frame of mind, I could have changed the world. I could have done something great. And then now you see this great grandchild, someone in your lineage, mm-hmm. and you see them with all the promise. If they show any promise at all, you know, or they're good at anything, motivate them more. Yeah, you want to motivate them. You want to you want to encourage that because you realize that's one of the most important things you can do. Because I think as a parent, you get caught up in trying to be logical. You get caught up in trying to be too practical. Because you don't want you want your kid to be successful. You don't want them to have to count on you for the rest of their life. You know, yeah. you want them to go out and follow their dreams and do things and work hard. But you also forget to tell them like you need to do the things you love too. Yeah, like and you can be successful at them. You know. Yep. 
I feel like it gets lost. Too many people well, are like, even go a lot to of college, teachers, hurry up, get a career. Well, because yeah, a lot of teachers will even get in their ear about like, you need to, you know, just just work hard at school. You're not going to become famous. You're not going to be, and a lot of teachers yeah. will say that kind of stuff to kids. Right. You know, but there's a healthy like balance. Good advice, you, also you, wanna, <laughs> you also don't want to tell them they're like super special every single day because then it's just like, that, yeah. may, that may do the opposite effect and it's like, I'm special, I can do anything. You ever seen the show Haters Back Off? No. <laughs> That sounds great, though. That's the uh, that's the epitome of how it could go super wrong. So this girl's brought oh, up like no. where she's ah oh, shit. I'm, we're, we're getting way off. Yeah, we're, we? Sorry, guys. Check out haters back off. If you want to see how that could go way wrong? Yeah. Well, um, Travis, he his childhood and it, dude, it was it was bad enough at home. Like how poor because his parents any money they had would go towards their crack addiction right that he was known to like him and his siblings were, were known to have to eat like spoiled food like anything they yeah. can get their hands on to eat and it got bad enough that he actually ran away from home at 10 years old went to his grandparents house and asked to live with them and they then took him in i think they took the siblings in too like took the burden of the kids off of uh, his parents and so yeah. they could focus on their fucking crack addiction or whatever. And they eventually cleaned up. The father cleaned up. And then right after he cleaned up, he got in a motorcycle accident right. and died, unfortunately. And that um, probably just drove the mother's addiction even you know, further yeah. into the depths. Well, because of uh, moving in with his grandparents, he was able to... They had a very um, strong belief in um, religion. They were, uh, they were Mormon. Right. And they instilled this in him and, and installed, instilled all of those... Um, those values, values and traditions, into him. yeah, yeah, and and you know you're gonna you're not gonna uh, have sexual relations until you're married, all these type of right, things, right? And Travis became very uh, he took it on, like he loved it. He took on the Mormon religion and um, cleaned up his life, and he became um, he got as he got older, he got into the prepaid legal service, became very successful in it. Yeah. Supposedly, well, he had like a lot of failed jobs before that, though. Yeah, he he went through some shit first. Yeah, like he didn't just you know, 18 years old, stumble upon prepaid legal and be successful. Like he had, he did some shitty stuff, right? He worked at like some restaurants and yeah. was barely making rent, renting like shitty houses with four or five roommates and stuff. Yeah, no, he worked his way up there. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think this, uh, the prepaid legal thing was perfect for someone like him. It was ultra motivated, ultra mo- motivated, which you would have to be to become successful in that. Like right. he, it was a grind type of thing and you had to portray the image and all that stuff. And that was what he was about. He was the type of guy that would have sticky notes. But he had good timing though. He Timing to his, get in that business and the area, yeah, no doubt, helped him a lot. Yeah, I don't think he would have been able to do it in California. Yeah, well, he moved to Mesa with uh, one of his early girlfriends, right? Like she had to relocate. Yeah, because, because of a job she, she and, took a job in Phoenix. Yeah, and he didn't want to live in Phoenix. He wanted to live in Mesa because of the Mormon population. Yeah, because and he saw he had that more as a way to, and he could get into the and churches. it worked out yeah. for him. And also, they, he bought a house there in Mesa, yeah. and uh, it was a big house, five bedrooms, five bedrooms, yeah. This house. Because he had plans on renting the other rooms out, like he he didn't buy that big of a house just to, you know, just for him. You want to talk about Erie? Um, I found out the address in studying this case yeah. to that house where this murder happened. Yeah, and uh, looked at it, looked through like the Zillow, like you can look through the like the house, the inside, the bedrooms, the shower. Very fucking eerie. Like the fact right? that someone bought that house. I don't think I could buy that house. Oh man, I know. Just knowing but what it's happened. It's not even that old though. It's not. It's not. It was, by, it's a newer it was built track, what, early 2000s? It's a newer tract home. It's a, a five-bedroom, pretty large house, but yeah. it's your average. Okay. It's nothing Stucco, special. Yeah, nothing, like, nothing like special. Got, yeah. Um, but yeah, he buys this house and he's, and, uh, he's having, he had some roommates live with him, right? Some, uh, yep. he would, he would recruit people from the Mormon church, yeah. uh, younger dudes that, uh, needed a, a home to stay in and he would have them rent rooms from him because since it was such a big house and he had the whole upper floor to himself, he had like the whole master 
suite upstairs and right. master bathroom, all that stuff to himself. And he was very open door policy with friends and, and family members. Like he would just, the type of guy that would just leave the door unlocked all the time. And yep. people could come and go parties would frequently happen at the house. And as long as they didn't go up to his layer and invade his privacy, he was yeah. cool with pretty much whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, and he's supposedly making like nearly a hundred K working for prepaid legal. That's what he said. Whether that was an exaggeration or not, could have been a you know could have right. been a part of his facade. Like he told Jody, like you've got to look the part and talk the yeah. part and pretend you're super successful. <laughs> you wouldn't think he was making that much if he's renting rooms out in his house to make the mortgage. No, I th- no, I think he probably could have afforded the house. I think he just he's just a money smart dude. Yeah, why and not? I think why he's not like, rent yeah, out rooms? He's like, I'm not going to use it, and yeah. I'm putting I'm putting in here people who are like minded. You know, they believe the same way. Yeah. And if they didn't, like there was uh, one roommate, one male roommate that he had that was kind of aggressive towards women, like pursuing them and stuff. And he yeah. he didn't like that behavior. And he actually kicked the dude out and said, you know, you can't live here anymore yeah. because of that. He witnessed it a few times in the house where the kid was flirting with girls. And yeah, he was kind of <laughs> weird, kind of ironic because Travis yeah, was known to be a bit uh, no, 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 flirtatious no, no. himself yeah. and to do a little bit of uh, premarital sex himself. Yeah. <laughs> do a little bit of premarital <laughs> sex. <laughs> The funniest way That's to a t-shirt. It. You want to do some premarital sex? <laughs> you want to do some premarital sex? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. So, yeah, they met. Uh, th- that led us to where they met, uh, him and Jody, and it starts this whole story when shit went awry. Um, right. Within a week of meeting, they were spending a lot of time together, um, and they would travel to – Jody would travel to see him, even though they lived several hours away. Um, Travis, um, as a Mormon, was not supposed to have sex before marriage. However, um, something that was going on. Jody was a little aggressive. She was uh, when when experienced, she, rather. experienced when she came into his life. All of his friends couldn't really believe they were together because <laughs> they had never seen Travis with a girl like her. Like yeah, the, a girl that exuded sexuality. She would dress very right. sexual, and she yeah. had like just a sexual vibe she would put out there. And they were looking at Travis like, really, bro? Can you handle this? <laughs> <laughs> this is not like the the sweet young Mormon girl. Pretty sure she's with. got a boob, drum. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's crazy. Yeah, within two months, um, Travis would kind of start to push Jody in the direction of his faith. Um, I think within one of the first times they met, he sent her sent her off with the Book of Mormon. Right. Yeah. And uh, she would end up converting to Mormonism and was baptized into the Church of Christ of Jesus Christ and Latter Day Saints. Why not? Um, right. Whatever it takes. Well, like you said, she would dive headfirst into whatever she's she was into at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another rule as a Mormon was that you should only date and marry a person of the same faith. And so she wanted to do this to prove to Travis that she was fully committed. Um, the couple would begin, uh, see each other often despite the five hours apart. Um, she notes that Travis had a book of a thousand places to see before you die and that they would, their, their goal was to start seeing as many of these places as they could. They wanted to travel together and it seemed like a great relationship early on like they were kind of yeah, perfect for each other like you look at it. those vacation pictures and stuff they look really they looked happy yeah and a lot of travis's friends like they you know at first they're like i don't know and then they started to like okay i can see yeah why it's she played the part well for a while yeah um except her old tendencies of of jealousy and wondering because one of her previous boyfriends was it bobby or one of them was it bobby that cheated on her she caught yeah. him like she came home and he was cheating on her and it seemed that just yeah. triggered, like she's, she now could never really be with a guy and trust him again. Right. And Pretty much. so she would start to suspect, because Travis was a flirtation guy, a flirtatious guy. Yeah, that's just, that was like his personality. Friendly. But he also realized that it helped his business as well. Yes. You know, it kind of helped pad his pockets a little bit too, being that way. Right. Well, I mean, he came up to her at a convention and, and, yeah. and gave her his number and said, hey, we should, you should be my guest. And that's mm-hmm. how he was. He was outgoing. Yeah. 
flirtatious guy, um, and his friends say he definitely played the field a little bit. Um, so she wasn't probably completely wrong to to be curious a bit about whether he was talking to other girls and right still exploring the idea of dating. But other I girls. got the I got the vibe that he kind of made that clear though. Yeah, I got the vibe that he never he never really committed to her, especially early on. Well, because Mormons at a young age, typically, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but generally speaking, they do marry very young and quick. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot, probably a lot of it is motivated, but we can't have sex until we get married. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll see a lot of times where they're... wrap the shit up. <laughs> yeah. They're very, they're very, a lot of times get married at yeah. 19, 18, 19 years old, start having kids. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe that's a sign that you're right about what you're saying. It's like, as far as, like, maybe he wasn't fully committed to her and he was still exploring. Right wondering if if she could be the one or not um and so joe he said that he had nothing to hide from her and so she took that as a, a sign that oh well if he you got nothing to hide um while he was napping one day yeah. she looked well, let me through, look and see <laughs> she, she unlocked his his phones and uh went through his not phones but phone went through his texts and was quote-unquote shocked by what she found oh my god she said that uh what she found were texts between travis and, an, and another woman and these texts were explicit. They were they were not only texts in there that said that they, they were, that insinuated that they had already had sexual relations, but also texts that were leading her to believe that there was further plans to do this again. Uh. And she became extremely jealous. And um, she they were about to go on a trip when she found these out, and she didn't say anything. She went on the trip with them, acted as though everything was fine. But in June of 2007, just a few short months after the relationship had began. They would break up in part because of uh, Jody's anger over the text that she found, but well, also she went on that vacation first. Let that course, be known, of course. <laughs> Let that be known. Um, but friends of Travis would say that she was also very clingy, and Travis was also ready to end things with her. Um, okay. She was wearing on him, in other words, yeah. which it seemed like anyone in her life, if they were around her enough, would you see it with the defense attorney later? Wasn't and it pretty much the, everybody that yeah. if it was around Jody? They're just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Wasn't it during this period in time where she kept showing up at his house too? She never stopped doing that. But I mean, <laughs> but especially like, after they yeah. broke up. After they broke up, like she would just be like at, at his house cleaning it or something. Well, you got to keep in mind they were five hours apart, right? While they were dating, yeah, and they were keeping this going. But then after the breakup, she, she did something that's very abnormal to a breakup. Moves to the town, yeah. of the boy, the guy that she just broke up with. After their breakup, she moves to Mesa to be closer to Travis, and finds an inn to get in even closer. She starts. She basically says, "I can clean your house for you for money." And becomes <laughs> like basically a maid of home. What the fuck was he thinking? Like, yes, please clean my house and also rummage through all of my things. But to be fair, like he should have known better because he was, he was all for it. And he not That's only, not an only did he accept the offer for her to come That's and clean idiot. his house frequently, yeah. but he even said uh, he bought supposedly bought her a maid outfit and and, and said wear this on your first. Oh. So he was he was hoping that the sexual relations would yeah. continue. Yeah, and they did, and so was she. Yeah. And so well, um, Jody would later claim that he wanted her to move to Mesa. However, all of his friends would deny this. And, uh, and I, I kind of believe them more. Yeah. They were, they she were, lies a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is the point where they're like, what the fuck are you doing, Travis? Like, get rid yeah, of her. What yeah, we've all had doing? those friends. Why is she still here? <laughs> we've all had those friends where you're like, I don't see what you see in her, yeah. man. But I don't, I'm, I'm not one to judge your relationship yep. to all you, man. Yep. Um, you, can't, you, you can't see it from the inside. But then again, you can't see it from the outside either. You can't see the what keeps people together. That's true. You know what I mean? But um, during this time, Travis is actually dating another girl, and um, Jody would be doing some strange, very scary things during this time. She was known to randomly show up at his house, and we talked about how his door was always unlocked. Yeah. But if it did happen to be locked, I think he started locking it because of her, <laughs> to be honest. 
probably. That, that, of course, didn't stop her because she would just go through the doggy door that was in the side of glass <laughs> oh door. God. Yeah, that's right. There was I remember a, that. I remember hearing that. I was like, no, no. Fuck. There was a fucking story that just be kidding made me, me oh, like my jaw drop, and I was like, God, that's so scary. This should be a horror movie because like, yeah. there's a story of him being upstairs with a girl. Oh, yes. And they hear a, she hears a sound, down, uh, a noise downstairs, yep. and her girlfriends were always on, already, his girlfriends were always on edge because they knew about Jody. They knew about her, right. How could you not? Jody would threaten them through emails and stuff later. And all of Travis's friends but would they were well warn aware. them and stuff, too. Yes, all of, yeah. they would, she'd probably be immediately warned, like, dude, he's yeah. got a psycho ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, be on the lookout. But she's upstairs with uh, Travis and hears a noise downstairs in the middle of the night, and uh, Travis goes down to investigate, and Jody is standing in his kitchen. She had gone <laughs> through the doggy door, and she's just staring at him. <laughs> Just oh my god! Horrific, dude. You picture her like crawling through that fucking doggy door in the <laughs> middle of the night. Just he still oh loves me. He just forgot to give me a goodness. key. That's all it is. He he still loves me. Oh my goodness! It's just so <laughs> scary. God, it's so scary. But it's kind of hot at the same time. That's <laughs> 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 how passionate she is. All right? Yeah, you got to respect that, I guess. <laughs> um, on multiple occasions, like so, so the friends were like, kind of like, dude. Travis, come on, man. Like, yeah. They had, they'd already warned him a bunch of times about her. Like, dude, I don't trust her. I don't like her. And because they, on multiple occasions, she had been known to like, they would take him in the back room. He had like a couple that were also Mormon that were like really good friends. Yeah. And at first they were okay with her, but then they saw more and more sides of her. And there was, it got to the point where they confronted him. They're like, dude, you need to come, like, we need to talk to you. And mm-hmm. they took him in the back room and they were like, I th- as they were talking to him back there, like, I'm pretty sure she's listening on the other side of the door. Travis opened the door real quick. And she's fucking standing there. Standing there. And with, and the, and the, the female of the couple that were friends with Travis, yeah. she said, I've never seen a look like that. It scared me so much. Like it was the scariest moment I can ever remember. It was when Travis opened that door, the look on her face Could was psychotic. What? I want to know if she, what she said next. Like, what do you say? Like, what do you say? That's just one of those times. I don't in think life she said anything. I think like, she just stared through his soul, dude. Yeah. That, oh, God. So scary. That's like something that happens when you're a kid, but when, like when it happens to you when you're an adult, <laughs> it's like, I think the, like movie, your parents are talking about Christmas gifts and you're like hanging out at the door or whatever. <laughs> when was the movie Swim Fan made? <laughs> Haven't we talked about that movie before? Yeah, Swim Fan. I wonder if they moved, made that movie before, yeah. the, before the Jody Aries case or after because it's like, I, I think of that type of stalker, creepy, yeah. psychotic, killer vibe. With Jody Arias. And that's our guy. That's our Ted Bundy, right? Oh, yeah, it What's, is. I can't remember his freaking name either. right now. I can't That's either. our Ted Bundy, the guy that plays in Swim Fan. Yep. Um, so also another thing that had happened was uh, it started to take it up a notch and go toward, turn towards the violent. On two separate occasions, she slashed Travis's tires in the middle of the night while, Allegedly. He, was, while he was in the house with a girl. It could have been any of his crazy girlfriends, Lauren. Not the ones that there just, is no, not just the ones that come through the doggy door. There is no incontrovertible in, uh, <laughs> evidence, if that's a word. I guess. Uh, anyways, there's, there's no <laughs> full there's no proof. proof. Yeah. There's no foolproof evidence that she was the one who slashed his tires. But right. come on, who else would have done it? She was the one going. She was the one standing in his kitchen in the middle of the night. Yeah, because she went through the doggy door. Right. She probably got the knife there. <laughs> Crazy bitch. Probably was his knife <laughs> out of his kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so after the first time his tires got slashed, he called the police um, to report the incidents. But after um, waiting for hours for the that was actually the second time he didn't do anything the first time she did it again i think after he got his tires fixed she did it again like the next fucking day that's bullshit that's when he said that's enough and called the police and they uh, took so long that he never actually filed a report but of course his friends and his girlfriend at the time knew oh yeah um, that, they, it was, they that it was her 
um, she began emailing, as I talked about, the uh, girlfriends and threatening them and, and saying that they were whores and that they were a, a disgrace to the Mormon religion and that they're going to be judged <laughs> by God for their sins. Right. Pretty also kind of... And she's doing the same thing. Yeah, pretty uh, hypocritical of her to say yeah. these things. But she's not a real Mormon, though, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, despite all of this, Jody and Travis still kept in contact and met up for sex. So you get ideas like, Travis, come on, man. Travis. Well, how many more <laughs> signs of what's coming do you need? Stop Maybe he was that. afraid to completely cut her off of what she might do. Mm. And then he got horny probably too. I was about to say, I have yeah, friends like I this. I think it's just. I have a friend like this that has continually gone back to a girl that's pretty, yep. cra- pretty crazy. And it's always whenever he's, it's in the middle of the night. Yep. Maybe he's had a few beers and he's like, he knows he shouldn't, but he sends nope. that text. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think that's what was going on here. I don't think there was any love involved at this time whatsoever. And, and to be fair, as crazy as she's been, how far do you think she's going to... Did he think he thought she was going to go? Probably not. Obviously not as far as she ended up going. Right, right. You you wouldn't think that... You don't, th- don't want to think that about anybody. Yeah. Especially not somebody that knows you know that many intimate details about your life. Right. And how to get into your house. Now, I don't know when this, this upcoming trip had been planned... Um, this time of story, if it was before they had broken up or if they were still, you know, hooking up and yeah. if he, and they both worked for the same company and part of, um, his success to company meant that he got, he won like a trip to Cancun yeah. through pre- prepaid legal services. Yeah. That's part and of what the company does too. he had told Jody at one point that he was going to take her on this trip to Cancun. And it was probably, I'm sure in their book of mm-hmm. 10,000 places to see, there was probably a spot in Cancun that they had to go see or just Cancun. Well, in general. what they encourage you to do with this business is to take photos, post them up, show people how you're living. Absolutely. That's why they give away these trips because yep. they know you're going to post them on social media and then other people are going to see your life and go, man, there must, there might really be something to that. Right. It's yeah. It's all brilliant marketing. It is. Um, and so he told Jody that they were supposed to go together on June 15th, 2008, but sometime, so yeah, it was before the breakup that he told her that, but sometime after the breakup, Travis changed his plans, obviously mm-hmm. broken up now. I'm not going to take you to Cancun, right? Uh, changed his plans and decided to take another woman that he'd become interested. He had met a woman named Mimi and it was kind of the woman of his dream. She was also Mormon, right? A little of uh, what she's like a few years older than him, right? I think it's, she at least looks like it. And she had her shit together. She was very pretty. Mm-hmm had her shit together, had a good job, like, and was like everything that he'd pictured being the marriage uh, type. And uh, he had prog- uh, pursued her. And at first, you know, she kind of played hard to get. And then um, he, he was persistent enough that they went on a date or two. Right. But eventually Mimi decided that she wasn't uh, attracted to Travis. This is her. Oh, yeah, she is pretty. Yeah. She just looks like more, she looks more together. Like I could see the draw in him at at the point of life that he was in. She this, doesn't. This you woman, mean she doesn't have psycho eyes, right? <laughs> but this woman looks together. Like she looks like someone that he could spend the rest of his life with. You know what I'm saying? Like when she, you look at Jody, she she's just not putting still out looks like a, yeah. Vibe. She's not putting out like not just that. You know what I'm saying? She looks wholesome, is what you're saying? Yeah, she looks genuine. Yeah, it looks real. Like the person that you're seeing in this picture. Like I feel like you could trust this person. Right, but I mean, a book's not always. You can't always judge a book. She could be crazy, even crazy. She than could Jody. be. I mean, she could be. And just the the wholesome look is just a facade. Yeah, you never know. But uh, so he 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 meets Mimi and pursues her, and she eventually decides after a couple of dates that she wants to be. He gets friend zoned basically. <laughs> yeah. She says, you know, you know, I, I still really want to be your friend, but I'm not really interested in dating you. Right. That, however, did not. Did not discourage him. He was going to continue to pursue her because right. he, he, he viewed a life together with her. He wanted to have kids with her and all that stuff. And so one tactic he, he, he uh, used was so offering her 
the trip to Cancun that he had uh, right. offered to Jody Strictly previously. Strictly platonic. Well, yeah, I mean, staying in the same room in Cancun, a yeah. beautiful sunset and beach behind, you know, you never know right. what could happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have been what you was thinking. Exactly. You never know what kind of love can blossom exactly. in that setting. And so she did agree. She, she made it known, like, look, we're, we're going as friends, but yeah. I, I will go on your fantastic trip to Cancun with you. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, it's Cancun. Right. <laughs> Um, a few months after uh, Jody moved to Mesa in June of 2007, um, again, weeks after the breakup, she decided to move back to Wairica, California, where her grandparents lived and started staying with them. And stating in an interview later, she said that she was uncomfortable because she and Travis had only met up for sex and she knew it would never go anywhere. So she kind of like supposedly came to her senses and said, this is going nowhere uh-huh. and moved back to California from Arizona and gave up temporarily on her stalking of Travis. Right. Um, again, she tries to paint herself as a victim later on, um, as though she was forced into this sexual relationship. Um, Travis was excited, however. So according to his friends, he proclaimed, Jody finally left when she left, <laughs> when she left Mesa again. Um, and he did have a conversation with Jody at some point shortly before or after she moved back to Wairica, in which he told her that she he never wanted to see her again. And this was... Uh, I think due to something that she had done that had really just disgusted Travis and made him completely turn on her Mm -hmm. seemingly at the time, like he would never talk to her again, that he was just like, you were the worst person I've ever met. Right. And that she had recorded a a sexual conversation that they had had over the phone, Mm -hmm. like recorded audio and had sent an email to Travis saying, threatening him that she was going to send this audio to Mimi. She was going to send this to people in his church and he was going to be, known for what he was, which is a deviant that sexually a crazy and not bitch. a part of <laughs> That's crazy, right? And so he was like, I can't believe you would even consider doing something like that. There was, a, there was an email conversation back and forth that was yeah. later uh, brought up on both sides, the defense and the prosecution. Oh, they looked through. And, well, and, through this case, through this trial, everything was brought up. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, and she knew, too. Yeah. She knew what she had done across the line, even threatening to do that. I don't think she actually ever did it, but just the idea of it. Um, knowing like what kind of, but that conversation was later played in court for yeah. whatever reason. It didn't seem like it needed to be played, but it was right. And it was the gist of it was that he never wanted to see her again, and that mm-hmm. he couldn't believe she would. She, I can't believe you're that type of person. I only showed you nothing but love, and what do you do? You could repeatedly like do this kind of stuff to me and hurt me, right? And um, she was apologetic, um, and and knew what she had done across the line. Um, but of course, as Travis does, he continued to still. After that, after she moved to Wairika, still continued to talk to her. And uh, according to Jody, Travis would still call her and tell her sexual things he was going to do to her when she came to visit. There was a lot of that graphic detail, text messages and stuff that went back and forth. Right. Um, They continued to meet up for sex, even with her living hours away. And Jody claims in an interview that this was because it was hard to tell Travis no. (laughs) So Travis should... Uh, because she claimed many, he was so abusive, even though she went to his house and was crawling in through the fucking doggy door. What, are you crawling in there to get beat? Right. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. This, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. If, if, if it's an abusive relationship and you're not even really together, and everyone could attest to that, Yeah. and he's not going to California, you can, you're coming to you can check his cell phones and his you know, probably his gas receipts and realize that he's not going anywhere. Right. You're the one coming to him. And I heard some of the, the texts she would send him and they were her initiating it uh, a lot of times. Right. It was, 
I want to come there and give you a BJ and like that type oh, of stuff. Oh yeah, like, of course. Like, that's what it's gonna be hard what, for a guy to turn that down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a meeting at seven, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like in Goodfellas. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like after the trip, um, she found out that the tr- she was not going to be going on the trip. Obviously, they had broken up. Right. Um, I. Th- honestly think this was the number one motivating factor to the horrific thing that happened i think she was extremely jealous that she was not going on this trip and that this mimi girl yeah was going on the trip and she couldn't i don't think she could keep the image out of her head of those two having a good time in cancun it made her so absolutely just infuriated yeah that because the timing is strange right in her mind this was never going to happen she right. he was not taking mimi to cancun no she was supposed what. to be going with travis yep. not mimi and that's what spawned this plan that she hatched to go to uh, uh, Arizona mm-hmm. and kill him. Yeah, and it was all premeditated. And we'll go into like the, the steps that she took to plan this thing. So after after this, she planned her own trip. She went to Los Angeles to visit friends and planned to travel to Utah to meet up with a new potential boyfriend, Ryan Burns. And supposedly she was supposed to be going to a convention right for work. Yeah, uh, uh, for uh, prepaid legal, and that was going to be like the whole. Uh, reason she was going on this long trip and she rented a car and all this stuff um joey jody and ryan met at pre-legal prepaid legal services as well the boy the guy that she was going to meet and they were just getting started in their relationship it was just budding they hadn't even had any relations yet right so they're getting married according to her right (laughs) i got you she's already stalking him right um she states that travis tells her to forget about utah and visit him in arizona instead later Mm. on she says this and you know he knew she was coming to be fair on the date in and early also, June. Yeah, and also some of the stuff that we have evidence of that happened doesn't yeah. seem like he was too upset that she was there. Yes. Um, so so she makes this long trip, and some stuff will be come out later about the trip. We'll talk more about the gas cans and that type of stuff and stuff she tried to do to cover up the fact that she was going to Arizona to see Travis. She would later completely deny that she was ever here. Right. Because of and him ended up dead. Mm-hmm. So she arrives at the house around 4.30 a.m. on June 4th, and she claims they went to sleep and woke up at about 1 p.m. the next day, at which point they had sex multiple times. They also decided um, Jody had given him a camera, right? And she decided to that they she and he, they seemed to both be willing participants in this photo shoot that they took where they were both nude. Mm-hmm. Um, you imagine how against the Mormon religion this type of stuff is. It's basically pornography right. in their eyes. Right. Um, and she she always claimed to be like a self-proclaimed photographer. She always had a camera on her. She was taking like, she was the type to take many selfies per day and delete mm-hmm. a lot of them and keep only the good ones, that type of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is from her mouth. Right. Um, they spent uh, time taking nude photos of each other on this day. And Jody took a few photos of Travis in the shower because she thought it would look cool with the water uh, water frozen in the frame going down his face and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Very, very eerie. You can look these photos up. There yeah. were moments before what happened. There's um, one photo in particular where it's like a close-up on his face and his eyes just look so... He looks, he looks dead already. Like almost like he knew what was coming. Yeah, maybe? he looks like... Like almost like... Or maybe he like was trying he to look up. sexy. Oh, yeah, maybe. She was probably telling him... That was a smolder, and it just looks like he gave up on life. (laughs) (laughs) This is dark, dude, because knowing what happened moments later, it would be funny, but it's not. Yeah, it's not funny. Quit laughing at me. Yeah, sorry. Um, So um, in early interviews, she claimed that she always had her uh, camera on her. She always um, proud of her ability to take photographs. And so we're going to skip what happened shortly after these photos and get back to it. We're going to go to the discovery in that home several days later, several days later, this my, this blows my mind how yeah. long it took to find, right. to find him. Especially with roommates living in the house. Yes. So on June 9th, keep in mind it was the 4th 
that the murder occurred. So we're talking five days. Five days. Roommates man. are living in this house. I mean, it was a big house, but it's not body well, they, decaying in the bathroom upstairs right? for five days big. But they have like the ventilation have fan to, in the bathroom on or something? You'd have to have a, a fucking mansion with two with two wings for, the, for you not to be able to smell that. I mean, granted, I'm sure that most of the smell rose, like, and it was on the top floor, so that probably helped a little bit. Right. But you got to imagine five days of decay. It would have to. I mean, but also, I, one thing, Jody, the AC was yeah, turned down. I was going to say that. Jody did turn the AC way down. Supposedly, yeah. she did it or someone did it, but it was cranked way down to keep but, it cooler. But that's well, not going to be Well, it was Mesa, to... Arizona in June. Yeah. I mean, What's, my AC is cranking pretty good right about now, too. Even as high as your <laughs> AC can go, it's still going to... I mean, it's not going to yeah. be able to get it into the 60s. I imagine it was probably the low 70s in there still. Or, oh, yeah. So, yeah, you just imagine you'd had to... You would have had to have smelled something. That's kind of weird. I, I believe so. Um, Unless those guys were coming and going, too, and like... You don't never know. Right. Some so, dude took a shit in the in the living room bathroom, <laughs> and it's like, you don't want to be rude. It's like, all right, dude. Like, and this was a home that was known to be immaculately taken care of. Right. They were right. very uh, – Travis himself, and then with Jody coming and cleaning, it was always taken care of. Mm-hmm. Very. He was very much about image, as we right. talked about. And he was the type of guy that had sticky notes everywhere. Every day he had a, an agenda, work out at this time, um, you know, eat good, uh, this time you do your laundry. Like he had an right. agenda for every every little tedious. Well, act he, he wanted every day to feel like it was productive. Yes. If it, if he didn't do anything, then it wasn't productive. So he would he would write down what he wanted to do the next day yep. that night, and then he would do all of those things, even as even as like simple things. Well, he was a motivational speaker for the company too. Right. So he was that type of guy. Um, so on June 9th, after missing at least two important business meetings, wasn't like him to do such a thing. Right. And multiple phone, phone calls. Keep in mind, he, this is leading up very soon. He's going on this trip with Mimi. Right. And he's, he's not Cancun. answering these phone calls or messages and, from Mimi. Yeah. So Mimi didn't see him at church. The which girl he's in love with. Yeah. She didn't see him at church, which was unlike him. And she was planning on when, when she saw him at church talking about their plans for Cancun. Right. So she doesn't see him. She's calling him. And it's not like him to not answer text messages and calls from the guy that's really interested in her, usually you imagine he would right, right away Oh, respond. yeah, I'm sure he did. Um, and so um, she began very, she began to become very concerned, uh, enough that she went to his house to find out if something was wrong. Um, she pounded on the door relentlessly. No one was answering, and she was finally able to get the attention of one of Travis's roommates. You imagine they're like, God, finally, who the fuck is yeah, pounding at the door the for hell? hours? <laughs> um, we don't want any. Right. The roommate finally came out, and... Uh, said that he hadn't seen Travis in days early, early uh, days either, but that wasn't really much of a concern. He knew that Travis was going on a trip soon. He right. knew he was going to Cancun. He didn't know, you know, maybe he left early. They were known to come and go at different times. It wasn't really like they were hung, hung out on a daily basis. It was kind of like an arrangement. Like, right. I had a roommate once where I would never see him. He would come in the middle of the night, sleep. He'd be gone when I left for work. When I got back, he'd be gone, you know. So it's kind of like that. Open door policy, like we talked about. Travis would do his thing up in his his room. They would maybe see each other in passing every now and then. But it wasn't unlike them to not – it wasn't abnormal for them to not see Travis for days. Right. But with her concern, they were like, yeah, we haven't seen him. In, we can go up there and, and see if he's in his room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the, the roommates uh, decided to go up there together. I think Mimi was a little afraid to go up there. She's like, you guys go up there and, and see. So the roommates, right. they uh, I think they had a key to his room or, or they, they got into his bedroom, went back there, uh, saw immediately saw upstairs blood, a big pool of blood, I believe, in the master bedroom leading to the, in the it hallway. It was like in the hallway, yeah. Also in the, the hallway. Room. On the wall in the hallway was, right. was uh, uh, like a bloody palm print with hair and, and stuff mm-hmm. on it. And it's obviously very concerned. And then a trail of blood leading to the shower where they found a crumpled up deceased decaying travis 
Alexander. Mm. And the, you could very clearly see his head was slumped over and you could see a right. deep gash. It was, a, it was like a stand-up shower. and he, A shower he, stall, if you will. And, very yeah, small. And he's laying down in the floor, like fetal squished position. up. Yeah. Fetal, basically fetal position. Feet, like knees against his chest. Yeah. Head slumped over with his throat. Just a giant, deep, gaping wound on his throat. Right. And uh, obviously dead. Like the uh, outer extremities, I believe, were blackened from decay for several days. Right. Has it been five the days? Stench? I'd imagine when they walked in the master bedroom, they must have just smelled... You know, as soon as they opened that door, oh, it must like have been Like you said, intense. though, earlier, I feel like they would have smelled it coming up the stairs, man, at the very least. Yeah, who knows what they were. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we can't point the finger in them, so who knows why they didn't smell it. But yeah. Or maybe they did, and they just didn't care, whatever. I think they were just walking by, like, Travis, we need to get some candles up in this bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a few other things uh, that were odd about the house that the roommates had did, did take note of. The fact that the, some of the furniture had been moved around, apparently. And that there was a, a, a shop, shop vac type vacuum in the middle of the room, which was abnormal because everything was always in its place. Right. To leave a vacuum just sitting out just seemed odd to them, but not odd enough that they would assume anybody had mur- been murdered, you know? Yeah. Another thing that was very strange was that Travis's dog normally was blocked off from the rest of the house, and it was only allowed from the stairs up to Travis's room. Yeah. He usually just kept the dog up, up in his wing of the home. Right. And it was the opposite. This time, the gate was put in front of the stairs, and the dog was not allowed to go up to Travis's room. And mm. you you have to think whoever killed him it was because they didn't want the dog tracking through the blood and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, and so yeah, the dog was blocked off from going up there, and so obviously the roommates freak out when they see Travis dead in the shower. They come down, they tell Mimi what happened. She immediately calls the police, and um, the uh, the responding uh, officer would be Estevan Flores, who would end up being the lead detective. Um, he gets there. They observe the crime scene that night and look and you know. He's in, in see a horrific scene that had played out. They see blood all over the bathroom, right? Blood on the bathroom sink. The uh, the victim had apparently been leaning over the sink because there was like bloody handprints on the sink at one point. Right. Blood, a bunch of a bunch of blood down there. The victim had then apparently made his way to through the hallway of the well, bathroom. At, to well, the while he's leaning over the sink, he's also getting stabbed yeah. in the back, obviously because of the stab wounds on his back, neck, even the back of his head. They found that Travis had been stabbed twenty seven times, approximately slit from ear to ear, a deep gash all the way through the air, the windpipe. Mm. That would have been fatal. He was killed three times over. He had been shot yeah. in the temple with what was later discovered to be a twenty-five caliber handgun. Right. Uh, slit from ear to ear and been stabbed in the heart. And that was something that we later determined was later determined to be the initial blow was a stab to the heart, which would have been fatal. And this is why we say it was such a horrific assault. Right. Was the way it played out, and, and we, after studying this, the way we see it was that. There had been a series of photographs that they later found mm-hmm. that we'll talk about how they got their hands on those. But the way it played out was they had had sex. They had made their way to the shower. She was taking photos of him in the, of him in the shower, which was surprising to everyone that he would allow her to do this. Mm-hmm. But at some point, one of the final po- picture of taking him of him alive was he was sitting down in the shower stall. Who knows why? Maybe she told him to get in that pose so yeah. he'd be more vulnerable. And a knife was taken out, and he was stabbed in the heart with the very first blow which was a fatal blow. It was just a blow that the medical examiners later said would have taken minutes for him to die. Right. And it would have been... Ex- it's not an you instant know, kill, so he had the... Very excruciating. The blood back would have, at some the, point. The heart would have had to pump out what was left of the blood. Yeah. And it would have taken minutes and been very not fun, at which point he was stabbed in the heart, and it appears as though he stood up and started to fight with the attacker, who we now know is Jody Arias. Right. And he had defensive wounds all over his hands, 
and made his way out of the shower stall over to the sink in the bathroom and had his hands on the sink and was leaning over the sink, probably, you imagine an eerie scene where he's looking at himself knowing he's dead. And he's gasping, too. Meanwhile, she is not letting off. She's stabbing him in the back repeatedly while he's leaning over the sink. He then, in an attempt to get away from her again, makes his way from the bathroom down the hallway and into the master bedroom, collapses on his hands and knees, where he is then slit from ear to ear on the throat. And that is the final death blow where all of the blood immediately spews out. There's a giant pool of blood right. on the carpet in the master bedroom. He is then drugged through the hallway back to the bathroom stall and shot in the temple, which would have also been an immediately incapacitating deadly blow, would have killed him immediately. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of conjecture later. She tried to say that he was shot first in her crazy yeah. theories that happened later. And you got to wonder why she didn't just do that at the beginning. There's absolutely no... A uh, possible scenario in which he was shot first. He was shot last, and no. he was already dead when he was shot. This casing was found on top of a pool of blood, which is one right. one reason you know. And the medical medical examiner said that that shot to the temple would have immediately he would have been dead. There oh, was yeah, been absolutely. there would have been no defensive wounds. There would have been nothing. Right. It would have been over, and it would have been a much more. Um, it would have been a much better death. We'll just put it that way. And had he just been shot in the temple to begin with, had she just walked in, she wanted him to suffer. She wanted him to feel pain. It was a very aggressive. That's what I was going to say. If it was just about killing him and getting rid of him, she would have done that from the beginning. Right. But she wanted to make a statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the initial stab to the heart, even. Yes. Like, just shows how crazy she was. And like, then the stabs to the back, stabs literally. Somebody right in the middle of the chest. Like, and the stabs in the back, you know, there's the old thing, you stab me in the back. It was yeah. many, many stabs in the back. Yeah, it was almost like a, a metaphorical kill for her. It's, it's absolutely horrifying, gruesome, painful, terrible way to go when you know also this was something you cared, somebody you cared for, mm-hmm. and they're doing this to you, and it, it's just so scary because he had no chance to really, really fully fight back when the first stab was fatal, ultimately. Oh, yeah. And he did what he could, and she would later talk about how he was so strong and he, he could beat anybody up, and there's no way. She tried to, you know, we'll get into, like, how she responds to the pressure from the police because immediately... Esteban Flores, the lead detective, they see this gruesome scene. They start talking to everyone. Right. They talk to the friends and family, the roommates, and everybody is pointing the finger at Jody Arias. Oh, yeah, right away. (laughs) They know that the only person they know and that that, uh, Alexander, Travis Alexander knew that was capable of something like this was his psycho ex-girlfriend, stalker, Jody Arias. Right. So they're immediately, she's the number one suspect. Oh, yeah. And and it's crazy because she's trying to get in touch with the detective right now. She immediately... She's trying to call him. Yeah, after she hears about the killing, you have to assume somebody made it clear to her that um, her ex-boyfriend, Travis Alexander, had been killed. She, she, at least in, you know, her initial uh, portrayal of how this went, Mm -hmm. she finds out her ex-boyfriend, Travis Alexander, had been killed. She starts calling detectives to try and help in any way she can. She's telling telling the... the, uh, the lead detective? No, she's telling the, the dispatchers because she can't oh, get a yeah, hold yeah. of them right away. She's telling the dispatcher, I really want to talk to the detectives. Mm-hmm. And they're holding off because they're still at the scene getting all the evidence together that they can, talking to people. And so they know she's trying to get in contact with them. And she, they're already suspicious of her because of what right. everyone's told them. And so they're like, well, let's wait till we get back to the office and and we'll talk to her and where we can record and this. Let's con- look through the evidence too. Let's look through it and let's let's record the conversation we have with her. Yeah. And so they finally call her back. She After she tried to call the detectives, she started getting, you, can, you imagine starting getting nervous, like, what do they know? So right. she starts calling all the friends. Well, we should talk Travis. about some of the stuff that they found first. What do you mean? Uh, so, and, oh, they also found a, the camera. Right. They found a camera inside the, what, the washing in machine. In the washing machine. That had been th- run through a cycle. And it still had the memory card in it. Yeah. <laughs> it had the memory card in it, but the, all the stuff on the memory card had been deleted. Oh, yeah. That works, doesn't it, Dennis The person had gone through six <laughs> six steps to delete these photos to try and make sure they were all permanently gone. 
Yeah. And then put the the uh, camera in the wash the washing machine with bleach to try to destroy what was on it. But it just doesn't like what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Why would you just not just take the why camera and not destroy it? Just destroy the camera. Destroy the memory card. Destroy it's already the not going to work anymore. You might as well hit it with a fucking sledgehammer right. or shoot it with a twenty five. Put a couple rounds through she it. She thought she was it. way smarter than everyone. That's what it comes down to. Or and she, maybe she wanted to taunt them like you could. I was about known. to say, or like we talked about earlier, maybe she wanted people to know what she did. Maybe she wanted some evidence to somehow be there without being, um, you know, too convicting. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, so they had that. And what they the thing was they didn't they had the camera and they sent the camera off. They didn't know whether they'd be able to get anything from it. So they sent it off to a, a, a science, science lab to try and recover anything yeah. that they could possibly Surprise, recover. they did. <laughs> yeah, and, and so after a while, they were blown yeah. away to find out. Detective Flores gets the calls and go, from another detective, and, and, and he's told, you're not going to believe this. We've recovered a bunch of photos, and the timestamps are, are from June 4th, and they're explicit photos with Jody Arias nude, with uh, Travis Alexander nude. They were mm-hmm. obviously having sex on this day, and there is even photos of the crime itself. She had, had unintentionally, we think, or intentionally put very vague photos of the murder itself. Right. Photos of of Travis's body being dragged. Mm-hmm. Isn't that strange? Very like, strange. We talked about this earlier, and she tried to say that it was done on accident. I just don't see how you hit that you hit that button because it looked like a uh, well, like a Canon Rebel type uh, camera to me, right? Mm-hmm. And those buttons are like reset, like recessed. Mm-hmm. You don't you can't accidentally just, hit them. you can't really just bump it and hit it. Yeah. My wife has a Canon Rebel, and you can't like you have to hold it down for a second to take a yeah. picture. You can't even if you bump it; it's not going to take a picture. It's just going to focus. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I mean, there was a struggle ensuing. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But I mean, not so much in the dragging of the body. He was already dead. That was after he'd had his slit, his throat slit, and exactly. when she was dragging his lifeless body back to. And there's a picture of that. Stall. Why? There's a picture of, you know and there's saying? a picture with her foot in it, with the striped pants that she was wearing that they were never found later on, but they knew that she had been wearing in prior photos and such. Yeah. And she had talked about having striped pants like that, but then, of course, later denied that those were her. Those stripes are different. Those stripes are all wrong. It's like vanilla, vanilla ice with Ice Ice Baby. The beat's different. The beat. Ding, 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 ding. Not ding, 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 ding. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so to, she's, she keeps calling Detective Flores, and he waits until he gets back. He finally calls her back and asks her if she would be – well, she actually kind of um, said she'd be willing. She was like, I want to help in any way I can. And, you you know – the recorded phone call, she sounds like she did a good job of being sounding like a concerned ex-girlfriend wanting to, but almost trying too hard to prove that it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, trying to be too forthcoming, like, I will drive five hours to to do anything I can to help you. Oh, yeah. I'll give and, you I'll give and, you DNA and, and fingerprints, whatever. Yeah, and she's initially <sighs> saying that she, uh, that she hadn't been to Mesa, Arizona, to Travis's house since April. And right. this was June that it occurred. And so um, Detective Flores um, sa- takes her up on it and says, yeah, drive down here, please. And we would like to take like DNA samples from you and and talk to you about what happened on that that day. And uh, he notes that she told him she was not anywhere near the house on the date of the murder and that she hadn't seen him since April. He already had proof that she was there on the day with the photographs and right. all that stuff. And yeah. so, you know, he plays it slow. He doesn't let her know everything that they have initially. And, and here's her bullshit story of not being anywhere near it. Mm-hmm. And she she claims that she had gone on this long trip, um, and eventually made her way to the to the to Utah, right? To Utah, to the convention, to the convention, and yep. also to the the boy that she was interested in, a guy, yeah, Ryan, Ryan, and um, but a lot of stuff about her story when they really break it down, she had gotten lost, and she, there was this giant like tw- hours and hours and hours gap, like yeah. almost two days worth of gap 
um, in her in her long trip, and she had rented this white rental car, and she'd uh-huh. been offered a red car at first, and did not, and turned that down, right? Because she wanted something less conspicuous, exactly. But there was this large gap where she said she was lost in this in her travels, and she had when she returned that car, there was a lot of suspicious things about it that, that they let her follow it up with the rental car place. Yeah, it had had twenty eight hundred miles driven on it. First of all, when she told them she was only going to be driving around locally, uh-huh. and there was red stains that they thought were Kool Aid from kids, but obviously not. Uh. And so like there was, yeah, there was stuff. Yeah. There's just too much that was like bullshit about her. They also, actually sat her down and made her draw a map of the way that she got lost. And it yeah. had a lot to do with the Vegas area. It had to do with the I-15. She claims that she went through, uh, she ended up on the 93 from what? the 15, but you would have to drive all the way through Vegas to get yeah. to the 93. She said she claimed she got lost somewhere around the, uh, the dam and ended up in Arizona. Yeah, she was on the road and went straight South. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but also, there was a big part of her trip missing um, when they tried to like uh, map it out according to her cell phone pinging towers. Yeah, because she'd cut off her cell phone too. Right. The, supposedly the, the whole died. time she was in Arizona. Supposedly the battery died died on How her way into Arizona and then came back on as she. Oh, <laughs> when she back. crossed the line. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arizona heat's rough on phone batteries. Right. So yeah. So when they first started questioning, they, they didn't have the uh, information about the camera, the pictures yet. But, right. You know. Midway through that, when they still had her in in uh, Arizona talking to her, they got the word that the camera photos were in. Yeah, and so um, they start confronting her with more and more evidence. You you can watch these interrogation videos where she's just denying and trying to play it like I don't I don't have anything. I, I would right. never hurt Travis. Didn't she? Bring I know up we had our str- I know we had our struggles and all this stuff, and we'd we'd had fights, and I know that's probably why the people are pointing at me because <laughs> I'm the ex girlfriend, and right. we had fights and stuff. <laughs> Um, but I would never hurt him. And just because I sneak into his house at night through the doggy door. Right. And just be- <laughs> and still claiming that she hadn't been to his right. house since April. And yet now he's starting to, prov- like he slowly, he did it. Flores did a fantastic job of slow playing it. Kind of like in poker, yeah. you know, you got pocket aces and you're just checking. Yeah. Just checking. <laughs> just seeing what they and got. Like, yeah. Let's see what they're going to do, how they're going to play this. Yeah. And, you know, he told her that the camera was totally destroyed, that they couldn't get anything. She actually mm-hmm. went as far as, and was as cocky as to say, well, you know, sometimes if you send them to a data recovery place they can get it's like how fucking ballsy are you she was. she's just toying with them but yeah she was she was super ballsy but little did she know flores had the photos until yeah, he, he had them. got to the point where he's like listen jody cut the shit we've got your bloody palm print we we got evidence we got the dna results back your blood was mixed with travis's blood on the wall and a bloody handprint that is yours a palm print and yeah. there's hair mixed into that stuck to the wall that is yours right during this nasty struggle where you were stabbing a guy 27 times and he was fighting back and there's, you know, defense wounds on his hands, right. you're not going to get away with that without having... She had cuts on her hands that she mm-hmm. claimed from her cat, of course. Whatever. And so there's just all this stuff. There's like, there's no way that that hair has been on the wall stuck in blood since April. No. You know, it didn't just no. happen to be there. There's no way your palm print is... It just happened to get there. Right. Um, there's no way with these photos, these <laughs> photos that they bring out and confront her with that are time-stamped because of the, the microchip card... Right. In the, in, that are time stamped on June 4th. Yeah. And then she tries to explain that by saying, well, yeah, I was there. Yeah. So then she but, turns to the ninja, the ninja defense. Right. 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 So then it becomes a crazy wild story <laughs> that we will go into that will exhaust you about. So it goes from, I was, I haven't been there since April. I have no idea. I would never hurt him to. Right. Okay. When she's presented with all this evidence, it turns to, okay, I was there. And this is what happened. She says the following. She goes into the bathroom where she finds Travis and two people, one male and one female, wearing all black and black masks and gloves. They knocked Jody and Travis to the floor. Jody came to, dazed and confused, and Travis was wounded. 
Jody then attacked the female, who subsequently fell over Travis while holding a knife in her hand. Jody assumes Travis has been stabbed, though she didn't see it happen, but she can see blood dripping down his arms. Then, according to her, Travis says to her, I can't feel my legs as, he tries, as she tries to pull him up. Before she could do anything to help him, the masked man came back into the room. The masked man came back into the bathroom and pointed a gun at her forehead. The intruders then began arguing over whether or not to kill Jody. <laughs> the man uh, was saying, we need to kill her. She's here. And the woman was saying, um, There's, that wasn't part of the plan. Right. I know it was the female that wanted to kill her. Yeah. And the man was saying, that wasn't part of the plan. That's not why we're here. We're here to kill Travis, yeah. not to kill her. Exactly. So they're going to leave a live witness, obviously. Right. Um, the man then pulled the trigger on Jody, but nothing Click. happened. Click, of course. Whoa, how right. dramatic. It's a miracle. Right in Jody fashion. Jody states that she then grabbed her purse and ran down the stairs, with neither of them pursuing her, leaving Travis alone in the bathroom, but she just assumed that you know he would, he would make it through it. She then says she got <laughs> into her car and drove forever and ever until I was in the middle of the desert. However, she then is known to have gone to Ryan, Right. Ryan's place, and Ryan says that when he called her, when she was on her way, I'm on my way, Yeah, acted totally normal, did not call the police to say that she was just uh, attacked brutally and that her boyfriend may be dead right now right. by two masked intruders. Because they threatened her, Lauren, because right. they saw her ID, remember? You left that part out. She claimed... They asked for her ID, and then they were like, I know your address now. Oh, yeah. Such bullshit. I don't know if they know where my parents live, but I know they know where I live. Yeah. Uh, in an in a interview with 48 Hours later on, she claimed that she didn't call the police or tell anyone what happened because she was terrified and afraid for her life. She wanted to pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And yet she's so concerned for Travis later when she calls the I don't do anything I can do to help. Well, yeah. if this is the true story, why didn't you do anything to help you at the time? You could have helped then. <laughs> All right. um, after leaving the house where she'd allegedly just been attacked and where she left uh, her lover to die at the hands of mass intruders, she made a call to Ryan Burns, her potential new boyfriend, who she was supposed to visit in Utah and let him know she was on her way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ryan, hit a few hang-ups. I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah, so this is her new story, guys. <laughs> totally believable to the police, I'm sure, at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's the ninja defense. Uh, she says that uh, she knew he was alive when she left because he was in, uh, sort of on his hands and knees when I ran out of the room. So she apparently doesn't think the intruders would have uh, just left him there. Or maybe she does. You know, you know, we've done enough. Yeah. We'll let you, you know. Yeah. You can recover. Yeah. Don't do it again. Right. Whatever you did. Now, and then she started calling Travis's phone, and she got voicemail each time she tried to call him, obviously, but continued to f- call more times. And this is where her, her elaborate cover-ups yeah, begin. She that's, starts, that's all this is. All this is. After he's dead, she starts typing yeah. out these long emails, which is totally goes against her whole ninja theory where these two people came in and, and killed mm-hmm. him. She starts writing these emails about trips that they, you know, made before. And, like, yeah. she, she's trying to do – I hate this. I hate this disgusting behavior of people that – do these elaborate lies to try and cover up shit they've done. It, I just get douche chills every time. Like I, the book read these emails that she later typed to Travis after he was dead. Yeah, and it's all in an attempt to create a record of showing the police later. It's an elaborate way for exactly. Her, but to prove like her you innocence. said, with the with the with this new story though, it makes no sense. None of any of this makes sense. It, it's all contradictory. Now in the, in the book, Juan Juan Martinez, the prosecutor that wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about how leading up to the trial, he had kind of an idea. He was starting to get hints that the defense team was, I mean, so let's start. They arrested her. They, right. they finally, the prosecutor finally, uh, Juan Martinez finally felt that they had enough evidence with the camera photos, with the uh, bloody palm print that was a mix of the two, uh, the victim and the uh, Jody Harris's blood. Right. All of this stuff uh, combined for a case that he thought was foolproof as far as to prove her guilt. Mm-hmm. And so they went ahead and arrested her and they had to go back to California to her grandparents' house where they were able to 
um, get her as she was about to take off. She was she was leaving the next morning, and it was funny, kind of kind of funny how they they got her. They went up to the front door, and the grandparents had had a break in at their house. Supposedly, yeah. No, they did. They had a break in, mm-hmm. but it was Jody Arias, yeah, who had done it. They later found out because the only, there was only a few select things that were right stolen, but the grandparents didn't know. Obviously, and, it was their granddaughters, and they. And the things that were stolen were right next to or harder to get to than more valuable things. And none of it was Jody Arias' things that were stolen either. Oh, of course not. But a twenty five caliber handgun was stolen and other mm-hmm. guns were left. And, yeah. of course, that was the gun that was used or yeah. the same caliber gun same that was caliber used to weapon, kill Travis right. or to shoot Travis Alexander and some other random things like a tape player, shit that it could be pawned, a DVD, a DVD player or something yeah. was stolen from her grandparents. But they used that that break-in. They, the police, they wanted to get her as easily as they could without having a big scene and having any of the police in, in uh, jeopardy. So they went up to the door and talked to the grandparents and said, we're following up on that break-in. Right. Um, is, anyone <laughs> Finally. Else, is anyone else home? They said, Jody's home. Can we talk to her about it? Yeah. And when she came out, they put her under, put her under arrest for the murder of Travis Alexander. And brilliant. And uh, that's when the, the circus starts, really. Yep. I mean, she starts talking to all these media outlets. She's saying that she has no chance of being convicted. There's all these crazy quotes that she has of, like, go to the bank with that. I'm innocent. Like, Oh, yeah, like, no jury will convict me. Yeah, here's a quote. No jury is going to convict me because I am innocent, and you can mark my words on that. No jury is going to convict me. <laughs> the confidence. She also, for three in a row. <laughs> she also, in a pretrial <laughs> hearing, she had to have an IQ test to uh, prove that she was fit to stand trial. Yeah. And she was actually looking forward to this IQ test. She was convinced that she would be right around the same as Einstein. Not kidding. Literally. She's like, what was I- Einstein's? Because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty close to that. Wow. She yeah. went joking. That, that, that tells you, know, you a little bit about her confidence. So what was it? Do you know? I don't know. But, I mean, it was enough to stand trial for murder. Yeah, uh, apparently. But uh, she... Are you looking it up? Yeah. <laughs> Curious to see how close she got to Einstein? Yeah. But that shows you how confident she was, and that's probably why she was toying with the police with the, the uh, camera. She she probably thought she knew so much about these cameras that she there's no way they were going to be able to recover stuff. She, she thought she would taunt them with that. And and um, But leading up to the trial, as I was getting to earlier, Juan Martinez, the prosecutor, kind of started getting hints that maybe the defense was going to go with the... They were going to change everything, which was... Suicide in most cases, but they were going to go mm-hmm. from the masked intruders. She, she initially, her initial story obviously was that she had nothing to do with it. She wasn't there. But when she was presented with all the evidence, she then said the masked intruders thing. And now she was going to change once again yeah. with the advice of her defense team to go to self-defense. They, they've got you dead to rights. They know you were there. Yeah. So our only now thing we can do is self-defense. Yep. We have to try and make Travis Alexander out to be the bad guy. We have to show his, whatever dark sides of his character that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, to the jury and try and hope that they we can convince them that he attacked you and that's why you stabbed him 27 times, many of them, and being in the back and shot him in the temple and slit right. his throat. So her typical self-defense tactics. Yeah. Um, okay. So but, I, got, I got the IQ stuff before you go too okay, far. Cool. Her IQ was 119. What is and How does that stand up? A If Einstein would have taken a comparable test, he never took an IQ test technically, but it said if he would have took a comparable test, it would have been somewhere around 160 is what they guess. So 50, 40, 50 points off. Yeah, not 40 bad. points, yeah. 41 points to be exact. What is 119 is that, as far as that stack up to the, like, the average person? Is that above average? Is it below average? Type in average IQ. All right. Let's see. I, she's smart, no denying that. She's very smart and cunning, and when you hear her talk, she's very well-spoken. She was a grammar Nazi. Uh, 
according to ex-boyfriends, they would talk about how they, she would drive them nuts because she expected them to be very eloquent in the way that they talked, so the way I, that they wrote. <laughs> Technically, she falls in above average. I figured. Um, average is 85 to 114, which sounds terrible. And above average is 115 to 129. Gifted is 130 to 144, and genius is 145 or higher. So quite a ways from genius. I figured she'd be above average, but nowhere fucking near Einstein. Yeah, genius is 145 or higher. She had the confidence of uh, an Einstein, let's just say that. Yeah, she did. Um, so Juan Martinez, the prosecutor, uh, when he finds out that they're going to go with self-defense, he's actually kind of concerned. Uh, in his book, he talks about this, how like this is actually their best chance, and he's like, shit. Because now they're what, creating reasonable doubt. They're creating reasonable doubt, but what the prosecution and the detectives have been so focused on, because she always denied being there, is mm-hmm. proving that she was there. Now yep. that all goes out the window. All the DNA, basically you're yeah. saying, well, well, she's now admitting she was there. Yeah. So what's your fucking case Yeah, what's here? your game now? <laughs> so now they've got to try and defend their uh, victim's character. Right. And there is a lot of tra- there's a lot of conversations that are now um, printed out, and mm-hmm. a lot of it could be... Uh, you you see Jody Arias, this you know pretty girl up there. She looks right. innocent and all this, and she you know and she's you're hearing these transcripts. The defense is gonna present where it makes Travis sound like an asshole, like he's you know they're very- trying to they're trying to show him as living like a double life. They're like, well, look, he was doing all this stuff, all this stuff that he said he didn't believe in, said that was against his he's religion. An elder at his church, yeah, yet he's, he's doing all this. Sex and all what this else? Stuff. What else could he be doing? You know, right. And so that, yeah, it, the prosecutor is actually kind of concerned, but, um, and so he's digging in deeper and deeper into anything. And it's got to be so exhausting to do this because he's, he actually didn't have a, like, uh, he didn't take in extra counsel for him. Like, he didn't take in extra help. He wanted to do, to be the sole prosecutor mm-hmm. for the state on this case. And, and he had yeah. other cases he was working as well. Yeah. And so he talks about the exhaustion he was going through because he became so obsessed with this case, obviously, for obvious right. reasons. And he was, he just, he resorted to like, going back over old material, and that's where he started to find things. He's like, okay, now that they're going self-defense, I've got to find new ways to present a case that shows that she premeditated this, and that's when the gas cans that we'll get into that were played a huge role in getting her convicted. It proved that she premeditated this trip. She tried to prove that she... Uh, she didn't want to be known to be in Arizona during this time. She tried mm-hmm. to cover up the fact that she was there and make it look like she never was in Arizona. Right. Um, and one way she did that was with her ex-boyfriend, Daryl Brewer, who she still was in talks with and still kind of cordial with. She had uh, an email correspondence with him in which she requested some gas cans for a trip she was going on him with uh, soon. She requested two five-gallon gas cans right. um, that she knew he had. And, and when he questioned her about it, she got kind of defensive and but eventually she did end up coming and borrowing those gas cans before her trip. So he he's looking at it. He's like, why would she do this? Yeah, you know. And then he starts looking through all these Bitch receipts. Burn something down, <laughs> right? He starts looking through all these. That's what I initially thought. Yeah, he starts looking through all these receipts of her trip, all these gas, these uh, trips that she made to Walmart. She bought another five gallon gas can. He had to call because the receipt said some weird shit on it. And when he called the the Walmart, so how many did she have? She had three. She had three five gallon gas cans that would amount to 15 gallons right, of gas that's a full tank in a small car that was very gas efficient and when yeah. he did when he did all the math the efficiency of the car uh, the amount the how far 15 gallons would get you he found that it was more than enough to get her through uh, either Arizona or whatever state she was in through Arizona and back without stopping for gas and that was her motive to having 15 gallons it was pretty clever yeah pretty clever you know but she forgot that everything's traceable not just gas purchases right but the fact that you bought the gas can is traceable yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
the fact that you bought all this extra gas yeah. at gas stations, more than what your car could hold. Mm-hmm. She was doing cash purchases to fill up these gas cans. He found those receipts. She kept them. Why? And he was Why able- would you keep them? Exactly. She thought she was smarter than everybody. Yeah. And so that helped to prove that she had premeditated this trip, among other things. Right. Um, and, and then that would help in, in trial. And that was what he was going to move forward with. However, obviously, the defense team, um, much to the horror, horror of Travis's family, who had to sit through trial and have their slain son and brother and nephew and, and whoever, yeah. whoever was all there. Humiliated. Had to, he had to hear his, you know, he's not there to defend his character and they're just tearing it apart. And they know, and they're obviously being presented with fi- pictures of his brutal end. Right. The murder, the murder, murder pictures. They, I'm sure they had to see pictures of their son nude on the bed with this girl. Yeah. And they're all, you know, religious and and um, they're seeing yeah, pictures of her was, nude and the sure pictures. It was tough for them. We've I've seen the pictures, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen all of her, all of him. <laughs> And I've seen better looking vaginas. I'll say that. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a little beat up. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's not a Mormon vagina there. Right. <laughs> not a Mormon vagina. Oh, my God. That thing's not holy. Uh, it is holy, actually. But, uh, it's a little too holy. Oh. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Moving on. Um, so, I mean, the trial was obviously a circus. The trial finally commenced through over three years after the murder on December 10th, 2011. Um, Jody had bragged to the press over and over again about how she wouldn't spend one day in jail, and yet she'd already spent three years awaiting trial. Right. Um, this is where that quote came in, right? Yeah, about no jury is going to convict me. And yeah. Yada, yada. The family of Travis had to sit through weeks of trial and listen to explicit detail of his sex life, false allegations of pedophilia. It's amazing. That was lengths. bullshit. That was that was really fucked up. Right. And it was all just her word too. Like she had no evidence of this at all. Like nothing that even pointed to it. It's just it was just a story that she fabricated that she came home one day and saw him masturbating to a picture of a small boy or something. Like that's such bullshit. Zero like a uh, thing other than her her statement on it could prove it, right? Exactly. There's which is real convenient. Nothing. She just picked that right off the tree, like just yeah. whatever. Um, audio of phone sex calls recorded by Jody came back to use against that was her so victim, unnecessary. They did not crazy, but see that that ended how could up, that be allowed? You know that ended up actually playing in the prosecution favor because it showed how aggressive she is. Yeah, well, not only that, it showed how yeah, it showed how sexually aggressive she was and how like into it she was, but it also gave life to Travis. Like it had, it let people hear him yeah, and like what kind of person he, he was. became a real person. Like they got an idea of who he was and yeah, cause he couldn't speak for himself. Right. Exactly. And it humanized him in a way that I think it actually deterred the jury from going any way that the defense wanted them to go. Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of the uh, character witnesses on Travis's side for the prosecution helped as well because they all would go into the stand and, and they would talk about how um, they never had any issues uh uh, Jody had never mentioned to anyone that she had issues with Travis while they were dating, but suddenly once on the stand, she testifies that she had physical and sexually been abused. She'd said in an yeah. early interview with police, it's not like he raped me or anything. I have no reason to, to harm him. Yeah. She said that in a taped interview with yep. the police early on. So like things like that, where she's just completely contradicting himself or herself. Yeah. Um, she stated the reason on the stand uh, behind the murder was that she dropped her new camera, or she dropped his new camera that she had got for him, mind you. Yeah. And that he got angry and attacked her. But think about this. <laughs> That's uh, we know for a fact, based off the pictures yeah. and, and the ev- the physical evidence there, that he was in the shower naked. She's on the outside of the shower. Mm-hmm. 
She drops his phone. He attacks her naked in the shower, and she has a knife all of a sudden. Where did the knife come from? Yeah. They're up in the fucking master bathroom. How does right. this fucking knife occur? Where, the gun Where does from, the gun from come from? When you said that Travis would never have a gun in his house. He, she also said that in one of the earlier interviews. And She said that he would never had guns. And most of the stabs were in the back. Mm-hmm. You don't defend yourself by stabbing someone in the back over a sink while they're you know <laughs> leaning over it after they've already been stabbed in the yeah. heart. Yeah. Um, there was a 48-hour interview done right after her arrest. They specifically asked Jody if Travis ever lost his temper, and she says maybe he got a fang- uh, angry a few times, but she was never in fear for her life. Things like that didn't help. Uh, it was the first time, by the way, a little uh, another side note, the 48-hours um, interview that was done with her was actually the first time something like that was played on both sides by the prosecution and the uh, defense as a means to like prove their case. So they used the 48-hours interview during well, the did- trial. <laughs> Oh, different different parts of it. Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say, I was like, why would the defense use that? But okay, I got you. Right. Um, She said that she hid physical signs of abuse on her arms, legs, and torso, but there is no record of any of this. Uh, So it's all conjecture. Yeah. Um, None of his friends ever seen him to be violent, nor any of his ex-girlfriends. Jody seems to be the only person who claims he was abusive. One ex-girlfriend of Travis said that they had a couple of fights while they were dating, but he was always able to keep his t- temper under control and never got and, and uh, never got aggressive or violent physically with her. Um, another issue for Jody's defense was that after she killed Travis, she immediately drove to Utah to see Ryan Burns, obviously. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when you present that in court, it just doesn't look good. Right. She's just moving on with her life. Like, like oh, well, I got a business meeting right? <laughs> in Utah. Yeah. She went, then went and did some heavy petting and making out with uh, Ryan, apparently. Yeah, probably. Uh, no, she did. That's, oh, really? Yeah, it's proven. Oh, well, there uh, you go. They didn't have sex, but they did make out. Oh. So that's nice to know after you brutally murder your boyfriend. Right. So after it was all was said and done, and I think that uh, Prosecutor Juan Martinez and Esteban Flores and everybody involved in the prosecution side did a phenomenal job of presenting a case where there was premeditation proven with the gas cans and the uh, that uh, yeah. supposedly getting lost in a way that just doesn't make any sense. The, the time matched up. The timelines, the photographs. They put her the, at the scene. Yeah. The, the, all, the, presenting to the jury all the contradictions, her yeah. changes of story constantly, and the character that they presented, mm-hmm. they brought even even um, interviews early on uh, after the murder with uh, Jody's mom. Right, they talked to her, and Jody's mom was like, "I don't know if she did it. She could have." Like it, it, she, her parents, her dad said, "We didn't really know who she was after 14. She would like, like we talked about earlier. She would call was one minute all happy and excited. Yeah. The next minute she would call screaming and yelling at her mom. Yeah, the, and there was another instance where her dad uh, and they were kind of afraid of her yeah. to a certain extent because I mean after she got older, not as a child, yeah. but as she got older. Because there was one time where she was chewing out her dad on the phone or whatever and like emotional wreck, and he was like, and he just kind of lost it. And he was like, "Have you ever thought that you just might be bipolar?" Yeah, and she. She even lost her shit even more. She was like, take that back. You don't mean it. You don't mean it. You don't mean it. And he hung up on her, right? Uh-huh. And she just called back. She just kept calling back. And finally he answered and was like, yeah, I was just I was just kidding. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> proving his point. Right. You're proving his point by trying to... I think if they would have gone for insanity from the get-go and, and gone with bipolar disorder or something like that where she... Uh, she doesn't remember. Like, she had... They might have had a better chance, honestly. Like, present mm-hmm. somebody who is absolutely... Uh, erratic has erratic behavior they could have proved how erratic she's her behavior extremely based erratic. off of her past because she truly yeah. was yeah and they could have maybe had a better chance of maybe not getting her off but getting her a much lighter sentence manslaughter yeah. or something like she didn't know what she was doing at the time because she's so chaotic right they could have proved that she was crazy <laughs> and yeah, many things that have. she had done in the past and had a better chance but, but you know what all in all she probably still would have got life whether it be an institute or prison and she only got life 
Yeah, I mean, because they went for the death penalty. As gruesome were... as it was, no, the the jury in in Arizona had to be unanimous. Yeah, all twelve people had to had to death go penalty. for the death penalty, and they never did. Like the first time, it was like eight, and then they they had to do a mistrial, and then the next time it was ten. Yeah, and then I don't know what the third one was, but apparently it wasn't unanimous. Well, the uh, the judge just had to give her life, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what it takes to get a death penalty, like the 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 logic behind it is like you have to prove that it was a uh, over the top, excessive, violent. Like I don't see how that wasn't proven. Yeah, it, it was. It's exactly what it was. It was one of the most brutal, horrific endings to a life you can imagine. I mean, that's what she did to him, and she did it Absolutely. intentionally. She could have just shot him from the get go. He was, was vulnerable, excessive. sitting in a bathtub or sitting in a shower stall. She could have shot him in the temple and ended right there. Yeah. She chose to brutally stab him over and over again. Stab Cut him in his the throat, heart, slit his throat, stab his back, yes. and then shoot him in the temple. Yes. Drag his body across it was the floor. And completely premeditated. It wasn't yeah. a spur of the moment rage incident, which could have proved, you know, been a lighter. I would have taken more like, okay, she lost her mind temporarily, right. saw red and attacked him. It wasn't that. It was completely premeditated. Oh, yeah. You can see that through all of her steps to, to plan this trip. I mean, um, just think about what's going through her mind while they're taking these photos and stuff, knowing that she's going to oh kill God, him right. in just a few minutes. Yeah, the, the photo we talked about of, of the water running down when he looks kind of sad. That's yeah. just, it's so eerie knowing that just moments later this happened. It's like that photo for, uh, from Robert Ben Rhodes, remember, with the girl in the, yes. up in the barn? yes. It's, it's that kind of feeling, yeah. Except we don't know whether Travis knew what was coming or not, whereas the girl in the barn knew. Oh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. that is true. That made hers a lot worse. Um, so uh, when it was all said and done, she was uh, found guilty of premeditated murder and was sentenced to natural life in prison. She got off uh, the. She got out of the death penalty because it wasn't a unanimous vote for that. Um, she later stated in an interview that she would have preferred to receive the death penalty as death, se- uh, death is the ultimate freedom. She's full of shit. Yeah. Because she... she I don't think she wanted. She went back on that. No, she went back on that. Yeah. Okay. She went back later and said that. Oh, she contradicted herself again. Yeah, I know. I can't it doesn't that, sound Michael. like Jody. She's <laughs> pretty straightforward. Yeah, it doesn't sound like her at all. But <laughs> she, she's, she was making this argument, saying that she could do all this stuff in prison. That she was going to, she was going to create these charities for um, domestic violence. She even went as far as to create a T-shirt that said like "Survivor" on it, and she was like, "I'm going to no. sell these." She held it up. I, I promise you. No. She went as far as to make a shirt that said Survivor. Oh, boy. And people were just disgusted. <sighs> like, they, they, it was like the media just had a field day. Like, we, the whole nation just couldn't hate her more. Probably the whole world. All right. Well, she had some fans, too, to be fair. Yeah. She talked about how longevity runs in her family, so she knows she'll be alive a long time and doesn't want to live the rest of her life in one place. At least she said that early on and then came back <laughs> on it, of course. Um, she's currently housed at the Arizona Department of Corrections, number 281129, which is located in the Arizona State Prison Complex in Perryville. And she continues to, you know, make headlines whenever she can. And she has, uh, she, I don't know if she still does, but she did have a group of fans that were dedicated to proving her innocence. And they had all these crazy, uh, conspiracy theories of how someone else did it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you can watch some, there was a, there was a, uh, special done by Discovery, the same, the same um, people that did the, the, the yeah investigation oh, discovery yeah the, yeah the, the Alaskan case that we did last week it was well presented that uh, talked to one person in particular uh, a woman who had become very close with Jody and then as most people that get close to her started to hate her because she started to turn on them this woman was trying to defend her and then the, Jody turned on her and started threatening her through uh, letters and stuff like that right but she claims that uh, Matt one of her ex boyfriends was there. Yeah, and then, Matt was a guy we didn't really mention. There's a Matt theory out there, but he was um, there that night. 
Matt was a transition guy in between Bobby and Daryl. Okay. Bobby, which being her first love, uh-huh. and Daryl being the older guy that yeah. was her restaurant manager. In between those two, she dated a guy named Matt, who was Bobby's friend. Uh-huh. And this guy was pretty obsessed with her. Like, she, I think she ended up breaking it off with him because there was a time where she moved out of the state and got another, got another job and was working somewhere else, and he moved to followed her. Mm-hmm. And was working with her. Like he did this like a couple times. Mm. And then and he just kind of disappears. Except there's a theory, there's a Matt theory that he was yeah. there the night of the murder. Right. And initially it was that he had gone upstairs and defended Jody and, and, and slit his throat or whatever. And then he like in in uh correspondence with this fan of Jody's that was reached out to Matt, Matt had mm-hmm. uh, talked to her and said, you know, later that no, Jody was the aggressor and, and still says he was there mm-hmm. um off the record. And obviously doesn't want to end up in prison for being there, but who knows? Who knows? Mac, if he, if he was obsessive and like maybe she could have coerced him to go with her on this night, maybe he didn't even know what she was going to do. Who knows? Right. Um, but I, I tend to think it was just all her work, honestly. Yeah, probably. Um, but what is one thing that's crazy to uh, to think about is I also watched a special on Kirk Nurmi, who was her defense attorney, and you see a little more glimpse into into her and that. She drove him absolutely crazy, and he ended up with the stress. He claims that uh, the stress of defending her in that trial led to him getting cancer, and he had to fight it, and he, he ended up uh, winning the oh, battle naughty. winning the battle against cancer, went through chemo and all that stuff, and he ended up – then she turned on him and um, put his license in question, said that he uh, didn't do a good job defending her intentionally and all this he stuff. He didn't even try to keep it, did he? And then he didn't even fight. Yeah, those allegations against the board. He said it would cost me thousands of dollars and years of my life to try and defend my license to to be a defense attorney. And at this point, I'd lost the love for it because defending such a person where he said she would throw herself on the table and cry when she didn't get things the way she wanted them. And she she would she would uh, flirt with him to try and get things she wanted. It was just he saw the many sides of Jodi Arias, just like everyone else that got close to her. And he's also he's also being worn down by the media. And yeah. by the rest of the world. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. This is being televised live. Yeah. The whole thing is. And the odds were always against him no, because, yeah. dude, she fucking did herself in in so many ways. Right. Like, what was he really going to, how was he going to defend that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's a make or break moment for a defense lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the prosecution, too. I mean, they got yeah. a lot of pressure on him, too. Absolutely. But their job is a little easier, well, I feel like, Jody in this case. It, Jody made, Jody it, a made it a lot easier. Not that they didn't do a fantastic job. No, no. Did, but. I mean, there's still so much shit they had to do just They couldn't have done a better job. But she gave them many opportunities to do a good job. She left so much yeah. physical evidence, so many different contradictory emails and, and correspondence and things she said directly to the detectives that, and, and then two minutes later would <laughs> right. say something else. Yeah. Just, Whereas the defense attorney's going, God damn it, you said what? <laughs> <laughs> right? Shut up, Jody. Son of a bitch. Stop talking. Right? <laughs> just it's not, stop. It's not, it's not Jody style, man. <laughs> just keep running that mouth. Yeah, so I mean, there's a million other things we could probably bring up, and we probably didn't have enough time to really fully study it. Uh, but thank you, Michelle, for putting uh, a fantastic crime line in our hands Absolutely. to work with. And you don't know. You don't know how much more enjoyable it makes the show. She did already send an email with with the timeline saying that I now understand why Lauren has mental breakdowns. Oh no. <laughs> she struggled a little bit with this one. Oh no. Michelle, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> it, it's a tough one, especially if you have a busy week because uh, yeah. you just don't want to miss the little things here and there. Right. But like I, I told I told Michelle, don't worry about it because I go over it meticulously it, the night before the case uh, yeah. we, we do it and I'll alter it a little bit here and there to my liking right. and I'll add in little things. If she missed something, I'll add in little things, right. but it's so nice to have it. An hour or two, that's not yeah. such a big deal. But like, <laughs> I would have been up all night if I had right. to do it myself. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I would not have been in this mood. I would have been bitter. Yeah. So. You would have been exhausted. I had a lot That's of fun right. though. I've been having so much more fun now. Michelle, you are responsible for fun, Lauren. Yeah. Way to man. go. Yeah. Michelle. We all appreciate it. Yeah, so that is Jody Arias. We hope you guys enjoyed it. She's very hateable, and that was a horrific murder, and yeah. we hope we did a good job. And if you guys uh, uh, think we uh, did a good job, let us know. And if you think we missed something, throw it in the comments, and we'll we'll take yeah. a look and yeah, tell we'll, you to fuck off. <laughs> Probably, because we're already moving on to something yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're moving on to the next one, guys. Well, we do appreciate the uh, the extra info, I guess. Yeah. It's just like I'm probably not going to remember it. Right. You know? Because we just and so much, much studying, man. In this case, much like every other one, there's there's some websites that say one thing, some some websites that say right. other things. But the books seem pretty consistent. They like did. if you guys check out the books, like um, the two, really, there's like four books on Audible that you'll see them when you search Jody Arias. But it's they all have decent ratings, and they're they all seem to have the same type of format. Yeah, you know what I mean. It starts with like Mimi coming finding the body, and then it backtracks through childhoods and stuff like that. Like they're they're very in depth. Right. Although my book had a lot of had a lot of dead space in it, but I mean, it had some interesting things, I guess, that you didn't. Well, one one thing I can say that in the timeline that Michelle had, I don't know where she got this. It was that uh, um, Jody, when she came out and said the ninja theory, uh, was that she went into the bathroom where she finds Travis and two people. In the book, I recall uh, her story when she came out with this was it it said that she was uh, Travis was in the in the uh, shower and she was bent down next to him taking the photos, and that's when she heard a bang and, uh, like, blacked out. And supposedly she'd been either hit in the head with something by the two intruders. So there's a little... That's right. There's differences. In My the, book said in the that. same thing. So, I mean, there is differences, but, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, some uh, who knows where they got their story. And yeah, I mean, that story is completely false, so who gives a shit? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a bullshit story regardless. So whatever lie yeah, she told, whatever. it's... There's so many inconsistencies with that story. But we know what happened. She brutally killed also, him. Also, at one time... Jealousy, at- she couldn't picture... Him going to fucking Cancun yeah. with Mimi. She could not let it happen. She well, one of, one of the things, another big flaw with her ninja story was she claimed at one point in time, she was trying to explain the bloody handprint, mm-hmm. that she had Travis's blood on her or whatever, or from a fight or, or something, mm-hmm. and she ran into the hall and put her hand on the wall <laughs> and then went into the closet to get a gun, which... Travis doesn't have any guns right. again. Which she had, had told the police. Travis yeah. doesn't have guns. And then they checked out the closet, and the closet was like perfect. It was like all neat and tidy. The doorknob hadn't even been touched. It was like, it was perfect. Yeah. And <laughs> she is a terrible person. <laughs> Wouldn't have mind uh, her getting the death person. penalty. I probably would have voted for it. I think she's yeah. worthy. I mean, if I'm. Because of the brutality. If you believe in the death penalty, how do you not say she's worthy? You know, if you're going to say someone else is worthy, she is, honestly. Yeah, the brutality. They did the brutality is, is too of much. someone that she supposedly cared for. Yeah. And she wanted him to suffer and die brutally at her, at her hands. And yeah. she wanted him to know that she was she was doing this to him. For nothing other than, I guess, stuff that he had said mm-hmm. or the fact that she couldn't have him too. Yeah, I think it was jealousy, pure yeah. and simple. I just think that she hated this other Mimi girl and she couldn't picture them going to Cancun together and it was never going to happen. She was not going to allow it. And she knew that he would let her come over Yeah, and she could make this happen and she did it. Yep. And so that is uh, Jody Arias, guys. I know we already said that, and then we went back into it, there but it that's, that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's, some, that's uh, really it this time. Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope it was worth your money. Let's shout all the new patrons out. We have a ton of them. Thank you guys so much. Thank Good all the old patrons, have. all the new patrons. Welcome. Thanks for not being a, 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 a freeloader free anymore. <laughs> no, it was fine. We say we that were. lovingly, guys. We like, do. We do. We love all of you, freeloaders and not. Yeah. Hey, if you're, um, but if you're, you're like the favorite child, you know. We we love all our children, but right, we want to a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got them in front of you, or yeah, I got some, man. I'll start here with uh, John. Thank you, Shelby, 
uh, Jonalyn Jean Maglet, uh, Claire Bankert, Ashley Lewis, Jenny Rea, Victoria Stockman, Tari Combs, uh, Helen Waters, John Bucci, Daryl Boone, Rachel Zinn, Cody Lyrics, LaRoe, <laughs> Cody LaRoe, um, Lorna, Melanie, um, Mika, Aaron Brown. Mika, you should burn in hell. 40 year old virgin. Love that movie. Oh. <laughs> Rebecca. I'm not even going to try, Rebecca. I'm so sorry. Uh, Janine Hall, D. Mulvaney, Ariel Melton, Molly Kules, Moxie, Shelly. Molecules. Evan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's spelled like Molly Kules, M O L L Y C U L E S. Right on, molecules. Ah, you got us. You got an extra shout. Moxie, Shelly, Ivan, uh, Angela Harris, Brandon, Rupert Jones, uh, Michaela Smith, Lisa, Samantha Forte, Ryan Spiller, Julia Bostic, Kristen, Dave Watson, Stephanie Streets, Danita Haley, Brad Keppel, Kimberly Newton, Jamin Gandhi, Megan, Don Marais, Don Marais, Chris Ryan, Stephanie Mindock, Lindsay Denton, Teresa Walker, Chelsea Wierski, Wierski, uh, Lynn Mulliken, uh, Stephanie Strauss, Jamie Mormick, McCormick, Charity Pulse, Posk, Charity Posk. I'm sure we're butchering half your or guys' maybe names. maybe Posky. Charity Posky. <laughs> I'll go with that one. All right. Uh, Patrick Clater, Alex, Taylor Roy, Molly Gibson, Matt Hudson, Ray Gibbs, uh, MacDoot, Mac McDoubt, Meet McDoubt, McDup? I don't know, Meet McDoubt, no, you can't say Meet, that's just how the new thing is, oh, <laughs> Nicola, <laughs> that was his first name, <laughs> Meet, Nicola Beswick, Meet, <laughs> no, Amber Randall, uh, S. Vadia, Lindsay Mays Land, uh, Rachel Price, Abigail Colet, Ariel, Cesar, Cesar, Casser, Casser, I don't know, uh, Happy, Happy Chulu, Happy Chulu, Happy Chulu. Jason Layfield, Cindy, Luis Martinez, Alyssa Shepard, Becky Grail Reese, Diane Baron, Kevin Anderson, Sammy Kunigal, Ben Barnes, Georgina Drinkwater, Katrina <laughs> VBB, Richard Monk, Nema Sanchez, Pamela A. Smith, and Naysa Lujan. Lujan, probably. Lujan yeah. uh, was our most recent Nisa one. Lujan. Thank you all for becoming patrons. Thank all yeah. of the old patrons that have been around since the beginning. Right. Uh, we love you all. Huge thanks to you guys. As we, if you, We're going to keep doing did, more. I, honestly, I've got all these ideas. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I interrupted you. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, if you guys didn't see social media, we hit over 500 patrons this week. And that's that's a milestone for us, for sure. That's huge. Absolutely. We I also mean, hit you, a million You told me we had 500 too. patrons. I, don't, I just don't think I would have believed you. You don't think we were going to do it? I mean, not at the beginning. Yeah. I thought we were just going to be doing this for fun, and we'd have you know a couple hundred listeners a week or whatever. Yeah. The same few people that we would you know go back and forth with. But it keeps growing. You guys keep it's, telling people. You keep and telling your friends, and you're, you're spreading the love, and you're just creeping on everybody, and we appreciate it. Yep. And it's just making the show better because then we were able to hire someone to do the crime lines, and then you know we're yeah. both in better moods because of it. And right. More positive, and it keeps it. Yeah, it keeps us motivated. Yeah. Don't think we're not rolling the money back in because I mean we're doing. Get, we got to do a giveaway, right? Yep. Yeah, so we'll do a giveaway, but also we hit a million downloads on on uh, on normal episodes. So that doesn't even include all the Patreon. That doesn't count Patreon stuff. Episodes. And yeah, the episodes uh, prior, the True Crime Las Vegas doesn't include those. That, right. 
Yeah, so it's pretty crazy how much the show has grown and pretty awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And I, honestly, I've got ideas. I think we should do more more interaction with Patreon. I think we should do I some agree. more bonus stuff, like st- straight up like intentional bonus stuff. Like let's get together and just record just a free – uh, a, f- a topic-free type of thing where we just go into like, uh, what do you want to discuss? Like okay. That type of thing where maybe we have a couple of beers. Oh, we could definitely do that. Maybe uh, we'll watch it. <laughs> I'll tell you to watch a few true crime documentaries and we can just openly discuss them rather than it being like, we have to have a crime line. Just like, yeah. what do you think about this? What do you think yeah, about the staircase? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Amanda, we should do that. Yeah, Let's Amanda do the Knox staircase next. Let's plan that. Let's okay. do it. So I'll watch the staircase and when we get done, we'll have a, free a, form, a mini show about it. A free form, yep. have a couple of beers and just discuss it. Yeah. And maybe we'll even try to record a video with it. We'll do like uh, where you can see our face. Oh, we'll just yeah. do it that way. Do you have a GoPro? Uh, you, you think so? No, not a GoPro. I can bar- I, th- I, I have got- like a. I think I have a flip cam. Okay. Or we could do iPhones, dude. You My can sister-in-law's also, got one. You can uh, easily do iPhones, and you can just do video and add audio to it. Sorry, guys. Damn, My phone went off. Jesus. Well, I gotta go to work after this. Oh, it sucks for you. Yeah, I know. But I got four days off after that. But people have been requesting that we do some kind of a video podcast. So I think a freeform yeah. one would be a lot better. Because there is times where we do have to, like, it's been getting better and better. But right. there has been episodes where we've had to edit quite a bit and it wouldn't really work with video. You know, there's been times where we've had to cut and like, wait, I don't, you know, I think right. we got something wrong there and we go back and fix it. Yeah, we're not ready for a live show yet. But when I <laughs> freeform one where we just discuss yeah. the staircase, I could see that. Yeah. Well, I was, what I was thinking is though, if we could get two cameras and we could just put them exactly. on each of us and then we could splice it up however we want later on. Or we can both sit cool. on the same kind side. Kind of a Joe Rogan deal. Or we oh, can, yeah. Or we could do that. And just do one camera. It'd be easier than We feel weird like together. having to look at you sideways the whole time, though. We can face each other. Oh. It'd be like a face-off. Like a oh. Debate. oh, then why don't we just put the camera at the other end of the table from here and then we just sit where we normally sit. That works. Okay. Whatever. We'll, we'll get a fish the, eye. We'll, we'll get a fish eye. We'll figure out the details later, Michael. Let's not get into the technical. Let's talk about it right now <laughs> so people can comment on this. And <laughs> I also thought we really should dive further into the serial killer uh, melee uh, death match <laughs> uh, battle royale, if oh, you will. Oh, did you watch the Facebook video? What do you mean? Uh, the live? Where oh, the, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, yeah, see, people did think I didn't watch that. I watched it. Oh, okay. I just don't have my no own Facebook, it. so I didn't think I could, yeah. and then I found a way. I just typed in facebook true crime guys and it came up and i was able to watch it and i didn't have to be logged in nice well um, if we get off of here we can do a quick live on instagram let's do it all right all guys right. so you're listening from the future knowing what happened in that live stream yep <laughs> we love you all thank you so much for being patrons and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you on the other side uh keep creeping all right keep creeping guys Thank you.